Welcome to Game Face, episode 319 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, and I am still alive, believe it or not. <laughs> and I'm finally back to do despite an episode our of best Game efforts. <laughs> despite COVID's best efforts to kill me, I am here and I am back. Alongside me is Matt Kyle. Matt, it's good to see you, brother. It's been way too long. Yeah, it's been a while. I forgot how to do this. Ah, Jesus, cat. Your cat going cat. crazy? <laughs> yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't understand what's happening. Yeah, she's like, "What's going on? Why aren't they upstairs in the room?" Um, <laughs> so, as you guys know, I took a vacation to Greece, which was literally like the most amazing like ten days of my life. And then on the flight home, I caught COVID. And ever since I got back from Greece, I have been fighting COVID tooth and nail. I am. It's hard to explain. So I had two days where I literally felt like death. So if any of you guys have got COVID really bad, I really feel for you because I I can't even really put into words how COVID makes you feel when you really have it. And I had it really hard for two days and then it completely went away for two days. And then it just kind of came back a little bit. And I've had a runny nose now for the last like six days and it will not go away and I cannot pop a negative test. So here we are, Matt and I, back on Zoom like we did when the pandemic was raging, um, doing an episode of Game Face. Um, as far as housekeeping is concerned, uh, this show is going to feature some games that came out a while ago because Matt and I have played those games and we want to go on the record and discuss them. So this episode is going to be a little bit of a rewind episode, although we do have a couple games that just came out that we are going to discuss. And then... Matt and I are going to try to do another episode on Friday. Also, probably like this. It'll be recorded on Zoom and then assembled in post-production, which which sucks, but we're just doing what we can to get you guys content. We're going to try to do another show on Friday that will be really in-depth on God of War. We're going to discuss it briefly today. It'll be really in-depth on God of War. It'll be really in-depth on Sonic Frontiers, and we'll toss in a couple other games in there as well. Uh, just trying to get you guys content because I realize, I totally realize, that it has been a long drought for Game Face because I was on vacation and then I got COVID. So if you guys are worried about me, don't be like it's been nine days since I got it. It's not that out of the ordinary to still not be able to have a, a negative test at this point. I have a buddy who also had never had it before who got it on the same day I did. He's on the he's in the same boat as me. He's got a little bit of a runny nose. He still can't test negative. So it is what it is. I just stay patient. I keep drinking a lot of water. I keep making sure I get a lot of rest. And hopefully eventually here in the next couple of days, I'll be able to pop a negative test and we'll be able to go back to business as normal. But I am not going anywhere near anybody until I do pop those negative tests. That's just the way it is. I am not going to have on my conscience that I may have given someone COVID. So that's just the way it is. And that's how things are going to operate until I can test negative. Eventually, You'll start to hear, I am a little congested. I probably will have to blow my nose a little bit here eventually. Um, I am not better yet, but I am pretty close and good enough to do an episode of Game Face with my buddy, Matt Kyle. Um, Matt, how have you been? It's been quite a layoff here. All right. Um, played some games. Uh, you know, Dealt with my injured foot. How is that um, going, actually? Have they figured right. out what it is? It's a uh, it's a perfect storm of weird things in my ankle. I have a a bone spur on the back of my heel, and oh. I have a weirdly shaped top of my heel bone. 
and the bursa in that heel bone is inflamed from being irritated by the inflamed Achilles tendon that is irritated by rubbing up against those other things. And basically, if one of those things wasn't in play, I'd be fine. But altogether, they just keep re-irritating each other. Mm-hmm. So now I'm in a this uh, a boot, a big uh, you know one of those orthopedic. Oh, boots. you're in a walking boot. Yeah. Wow. Like, I got a I got a halfway through appointment tomorrow, which is tomorrow being Wednesday. I don't know when this will go up. Yeah, hopefully um, Wednesday. I have a lot of work yeah, to so do for, on this episode, so, though. So we'll. So see. that'll probably have already happened by the time you hear this. Um, and then we'll see kind of like how it's going. And then after after three more weeks, uh. We'll see how I walk. You know, I'm, I'm, it's actually helping. Like, it, it, you know, it doesn't hurt really anymore. But there's some physical therapy stuff to do to, like, kind of make sure that I don't re-injure it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if that works, then fine. If it doesn't work, surgery. No. So, which I'm going to wait until next year to do. Because yeah, I don't blame you. It'd I, probably be hard to get in for surgery anyway because they're all... Probably, yeah. Up. But also just, like, I don't want to have that going on while I'm trying to travel for Christmas or whatever. Yep. Totally get so, it. Well, I hope everything works out okay. And is it feeling better inside the boot? Oh yeah, it's it's much better. And in fact, uh, around Halloween it got bad again, like like really bad. Um, but normally in the past when it's gotten bad, it took like a, it would take a week to kind of get back to like walk walking without like agony. And uh, now this in the boot it took two days. Okay, so it's it's doing much better now that it doesn't have to kind of you know deal with direct supporting my weight. Okay. Well, that's um, encouraging. Hopefully, uh, when you get out of the boot, everything will be better and you can go on about your way for the holiday season. Yeah, it's going to be weird, like, because, like, I don't put it up on the couch because, mm-hmm. you know, you can't take it. And actually, yesterday when it rained, uh, uh, it rained here in L.A. And I didn't realize until after I'd gone and done some errands. And I'm like, oh, wet ground plus boot I can't take off. Not a good a problem. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's footprints all over the floor now. That I had to clean up, but it was, it was a it's a whole thing. Yeah. There's also the fun part of like, you know, my car fits in my garage pretty pretty narrowly because there's a bunch of stuff taking up space. And now I'm like, oh, I, I can't get the boot in because I can't open the door far enough to get the boot. Or so I gotta like kind of do like a like almost like put my leg behind my head to like get the <laughs> and it's just very silly. Um <laughs> Well, yeah, hopefully that gets uh, fixed soon. Yeah, I mean, it's better than having COVID. So. Yep. I'll, I can attest to that. That's for sure. Um, some of you guys are probably wondering how my trip to Greece was. As I said, it was amazing. Probably some of the best 10 days of my entire life. We started in Athens. We were there for a few days. We paid for a really good tour guide to give us a tour of the Acropolis and all the sites in Greece. I highly recommend doing that instead of just trying to wing it. It. First of all, it kept us from burning like three days doing something that we ended up doing in like a long day. So I highly recommend just paying for someone to lead you around who knows what they're talking about. That made a big difference. Um, And then we went to Mykonos and we spent like two days there. And Matt, I don't know if you know or not, but Mykonos is this little island and it is kind of like they call it Ibiza's little brother. It is this party island where people (laughs) go to rave during like the prime season. However... Since we went later in October, the whole season was over and they Mm. they basically shut down that whole part of the island, like at the end of August. So I didn't get to see like the crazy like Mykonos that everybody goes where they party all night and have fun. But it's still an amazing island. And you're seeing footage of it right now that I shot while I was there. Everything there is white and they painted like the ground in this almost like white cobblestone 
And the whole like town is this little like maze of shops and restaurants. It's hard to put into words. That's why I'm showing footage of it right now. We were only there for, for two days. Then we went to an even smaller island called Santorini and stayed there for like a day and a half. And it is literally like a fairy tale brought to life. Like you wouldn't even imagine that places like this exist. Our hotel was built into the side of a cliff. Like, <laughs> and every, the whole hotel looked like almost like igloos on the side of a cliff. I, again, I can't even put it into words. And then our last couple of days we spent in Crete. And the one thing I would say about that is Crete is gigantic and we did not have enough time to see Crete. So we got to see like the couple major like tourist spots, like historical spots. And then we had to go. And then we flew back to Athens to fly back to LA. And on the flight home, I got COVID and I've been under the weather ever since. But I had an amazing time in Greece. It does suck that kind of like that awesome vacation was tainted by getting COVID after I got back. Like my wife and I, we didn't even really get like a couple days to just bask in everything that had just happened and kind of share our stories because we were both sick. She got it too, by the way. Um, so we both ended up with COVID like right after our vacation, but whatever, like it was amazing. Now, relatively- At least you got it on the way back and not while you were there. It's true. It's totally true. And we traveled on like ferries to the islands and we took a flight to Mykonos from Athens. We could have got it at any point traveling. We we rode these crazy boats that are like jump up on like hydrofoils and go like 400 miles an hour Man. across the water. Like, so we had so many opportunities we could have got it instead of the flight home. So you're right. Like we definitely count our blessings in that way. And then as far as you guys are concerned, gaming and stuff like that, what I'll say about Greece is it's like gaming doesn't exist. Hmm. There is nothing there for gaming. We were in Athens. So we Kratos were there for destroyed the game industry in Greece long ago. It's crazy, Matt. So we were in Athens, which is a gigantic city. It's like three and a half million people. It's almost as big as L.A., Matt. And I did not stumble across one video game store. Not one. It was crazy. Like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, this city is gigantic. Like, why are we not seeing game stores? So I went and Googled it. There are like five game stores in all of Athens. There, wow. We didn't see any like paraphernalia. I saw one guy walk by with a one-up t-shirt and that was <laughs> it. We ran into one kind of geeky store that had like Funko Pops. And that was as close as I came to seeing anything games related. It was bizarre. And obviously, as we got to the islands, there was no chance in hell of running into like a game store. I couldn't believe it, Matt. It's like the only territory left in the world that doesn't have video games. It was I mean, weird. I would imagine like there's places in like Iraq that maybe don't have a lot of video games. Maybe, or yeah. I mean, like I'm sure there's places in the Middle East where it's kind of like that. But I was shocked. Probably hard to pick up a pre-ordered copy of God of War in Kiev right now. <laughs> oh, you know, it's just... it, it might be. Um, so anyway, um, there was no gaming in Greece at all. That's my report on gaming in Greece. It doesn't exist. I was blown mm. away by it. There's nothing on TV, no TV commercials, nothing. It was as if our hobby just doesn't exist. It was not, really not since not since they sacrificed to go to the God of War two press event in <laughs> in in Greece. Yeah, exactly. That so was anyway, the end of that. As far as gaming goes, there was really nothing in Greece at all, so nothing to report. And in all honesty, it was kind of good to get away and kind of press the reset button and get away from technology and even just social media for ten days and just unplug, which is exactly what I did. So anyway, yeah, some, some things 
happened on Twitter. I don't know if you know. <laughs> yes, I have noticed some things have happened on Twitter, actually. <laughs> and uh, we'll actually we'll talk about that at the end of the show, because we do have some questions from you guys for Q&A. I asked for you got questions from you guys on Twitter and at sifted.net. And you guys came through with some questions that we'll answer later. And that is one of the things that we will discuss. But for now, it's time to get on with Game Face episode 319. We're going to kick things off with a game that I've played that Matt has not had a chance to play yet. And that is God of War Ragnarok. Well, I guess the first thing I should say about God of War Ragnarok is that the B-roll that you're about to see only covers the first hour. Well, a little less, but mostly the first hour of the game. Um, if you have played God of War from 2018, any of the stuff that you're going to see here in the next 20 or 30 minutes while we discuss the game are things that I would not consider spoilerific. Now, at about the 50 minute mark, there is a bit of a spoiler, but we're going to cut the footage out before we get to that point. So I just want you guys to know that we're going to be very conscious of the fact that you guys have not played the game or maybe you're just getting started on the game and you do not want things spoiled. Now, the game picks up right after the end of God of War from 2018, if you remember or not. And again, this isn't spoilers. It's been four years. If you haven't played the game by now, it's not my fault. I'm just going to quickly recap what happened kind of at the end of The Last God of War. And Matt, feel free to chime in as well with any anecdotes that you want to share. But essentially what happened was Atreus, God of uh, Kratos' son, has discovered that he has giant's blood and that he may be or may not be some character named Loki. Um, Freya, which was Kratos's... Actually, what was her relationship to Kratos? It wasn't he, she wasn't his wife, right? Well, they were partners or whatever. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were going together. <laughs> yeah. Kratos in the last game has killed some people that has made some people very unhappy. Freya is one of them. And there's a collection of gods that makes up a group of other people who are quite unhappy with what Kratos did in God of War from 2018. And right out of the gate, a lot of those decisions that he made in the prior game come to bear. Now, Atreus is already older. Some time has passed from the end of the last game. It's not really clear exactly how much time has passed just by playing yeah. the game. Because it feels like the, uh, the end of the last game was pretty, pretty adamant. Like it yeah. was like, oh, like some. So I, mean, I guess, you know, I mean, why make a whole new Atreus character model for the, like the last five seconds of the game? Yeah. To show he's, to show he's older or whatever. But yeah, it's a reasonable retcon. Took Thor a while to show up, you know. His voice has now changed. <laughs> I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, that was, that was a that was an all around thing. When we get the plague tale, that's also an issue. Yeah. Um, his voice has now changed and he is essentially like a preteen teenager. Um, he also based upon things that happened in the prior game, he is more emboldened. He's more likely to stand up to Kratos. And a lot of the early exposition in the game is him basically expressing to Kratos, I'm not a little kid anymore. I can make my own decisions. And it, as it turns out, he has been making some of his own decisions unbeknownst to Kratos. He has been working with other people to try to discover who he is, who he is supposed to become, and in all honesty, learn some of the things that Kratos did in the last game that he was not aware of. So the initial hour of the game is basically the two kind of coming to terms with things that each of them didn't know about the other one based upon things that happened in the last game and things that have happened since the last game before it picks up here. So Atreus is much more independent. And I would also add as well 
that he is much more effective in combat. So if you remember from the 2018 game, you could semi-control Atreus. You could use the square button to cause him to fire his arrows. And it used to be that like those arrows would just take like one pixel of health off the enemies. And it was really more for fun than really an effective way to go through combat. Although I yeah, will say he this, could, he Matt, could interrupt them and he could like, you know, he, he was, he was basically like a tag partner a little yeah. bit like an assist partner, I guess. Yeah. He run interfer- interference basically. Yeah. But I'll say this, Matt, I did see some videos like eventually where people played through God of War from 2018 with only Atreus, which is just yeah, maddening that like, but get, get, a, get game, a new, get a new game. Yeah, exactly. Like, move on. <laughs> Come exactly. On. Towards the end of the game. Now, if you were boosting him up, you could get him to a place where he was kind of effective in combat. Yeah, but... He's relatively strong by the end of the game. Yep. Here though, he's effective right out of the gate. You can start using him and combo him in and out like with enemies and you can kill enemies with him pretty easily. In fact, one of the mini boss fights early in the game, I ended up using him to finish off the boss fight, which I was like, damn, okay. And then when they finally opened up the ability to upgrade Kratos and he has like three different armor slots, you can upgrade two different weapons that he has equipped at a time that you can upgrade. But right out of the gate, you're able to upgrade Atreus as well. Get him some armor, get him some damage boost. He appears to be, a much more viable companion this time than he was. Some other changes that I've noticed right out of the gate, Kratos now has like a hook shot that he can use. So um, the level design because of that is much more vertical because he can basically just hook shot up to the top of like cliff faces now. Um, And there's still elements where you have to climb up walls like in the last game, but it's much more quick to be able to just send that hook shot up there and then zip up to the top of the cliff instead of having to climb up the wall. Um, and so that adds to the level design being a lot more vertical than it was in the prior games. And the verticality is much more frequent than it was. There's also a mechanic to get down cliff faces where you, I think you just hit the square button and he'll very quickly repel down a cliff face and get down to the bottom of the cliff. It just opens up a lot of the traversal options a lot more than they were in the last game. It's much quicker and zippier. You don't make a wrong turn and then regret it in this game because you're like, oh no, mm-hmm. now I have to climb up this damn wall. It's going to take like 90 seconds to get up this wall again. The traversal in general is a lot more quick. Now, another part of Atreus's story is that he is starting to uncover powers that he did not know that he had. And some of them manifest without his control. Like they just take over. And I again, I don't want to spoil anything, but he starts to learn that he has these powers that he didn't know he had, and they are something to, to reckon with. And they're also out of his control. In a lot of cases, they just take him over, and things happen that good and bad that are completely out of his control. And he'll kind of come to and be like, what happened? And actually, Matt, there's a little bit of that in Plague Tale as well. <laughs> yeah. Um. So there are some parallels between the two games. Um. As far as like the new weapons or anything that I've come across so far... There haven't been any for me so far. Right now I have the axe and I have the Blades of Chaos. And unlike the 2018 game, you do get the Blades of Chaos pretty much right out of the gate. When you first start, you just have the axe, but then you come back to Kratos's crib and you pick up the, the Blades of Chaos off of the wall. And then you have them from that. Not on. a and big Matt, life choice anymore, really. No, <laughs> no. And Matt, I'm actually not sure if I remember this from 2018. Could you power up? the blades of chaos in the original game by like smashing the triangle button and then fill them with fire. And then that creates like these crazy fire attacks. Um, you can do. 
I think there was a way to do that, but I don't know if you hammered a button. I think it might have been just the soup, like the a mode you could activate if you burned a bar or something. Uh, okay, I can't remember. Okay, no, well, that, this you definitely could do that. I just don't remember what the mechanic was. Okay, well, in this one, you do you smash a triangle button and you can power up your blades of chaos and then use either the light attack or the heavy attack, and it gives you a whole new set of combos. And the other thing I would say too is that it feels like the elemental stuff matters more in this game. Now, the early going is winter time. And mm. so you have the a lot of frost abilities um, that you can upgrade and, and basically imbue to the axe. Um, but also the enemies have frost abilities as well. And I ran into a couple enemies and it was just two of them. And I was like, oh, no problem. I'm just going to mop these guys up easily. And they attacked me and they froze me and killed me. Mm. And... I was, I have actually died. I died a couple times in the first hour of this game. One was that where I got frozen and couldn't move and they killed me. And then I figured out, oh, okay, well, I'll just boost up the flame attack with my Blades of Chaos and that just wiped them out. But then the other one was I was fighting enemies, but there were a couple enemies up high firing like fireballs with slings down at me while I was fighting a group down on the ground. So it became, you had to manage the crowd. You had to do crowd control on the ground while also looking up and throwing your axe to take out the guys who are using projectile weapons against you. So the game heats up pretty quickly. There's also a sub-boss fight that happens very early on that's pretty challenging that I barely beat without dying. So the game feels a little more challenging to me, Matt, than the original one in 2018. I felt like mm. that game, it took until like the 10-hour mark before I really started feeling the pinch in combat. I started feeling it right away in this. And I will admit this too, Matt, that... I had forgotten a lot about how to play this game. I had forgotten how to like dodge and parry and block and like how to throw it and then call the ax back. I had to relearn all that stuff and I did learn it pretty quickly and it became muscle memory. One thing I had forgotten about the 2018 game that's annoying is how you always have to press a circle button to like clamor over things. And sometimes mm. it's just like a step up that's like a foot tall and you get yeah, stuck on it. That. You have to tap the circle button to go up that step. I don't know why they didn't change that for this one. And the one thing I would say too, Matt, so far anyway, and this could change because this game apparently is gigantic. It's like 40 some hours long. And I've always played a handful of hours so far. But the one thing I would say is it does feel very samey. I'm struggling in the early going to find lots of things that are new. Like I've already reconnected with pretty much all the major players from the first game, like all of them in the first like few hours. And I've already gotten to the point where, okay, this is where you go and this is how you upgrade all your stuff. And I've already upgraded a lot of my stuff and I don't see a lot of change in that. Someone asked me for one of the last episodes of Ask Shane, anything that I did before I left for Greece, if God of War was going to be disappointing, inevitably, if it was going to be disappointing. And what I said was, chances are it's not going to have that spark that the first one had because it was like they rebooted the franchise. And it was all brand new. And we were looking at this series that we love with these brand new glasses. And I will say that a lot of that is gone, that the kind of the, the sparkle of, Oh, this is God of war. Now it's not really there anymore. And so far what I all, all you're left with is one of the best games ever made. Right. That's, right. that's a shame. Exactly. Yeah. You're no, you're absolutely right. And that's what I also said in actually anything, but that's also my game of the generation. So is that such yeah. a bad thing? But it does lose a little bit of that sense of wonder. Um, yeah, I would much rather they stick with what worked rather than like try to reinvent something and end up with something that just annoys everybody, though. Yeah. 
Um, and some people may be afraid that they would try to depart too far from the game of the generation, you know, and they have yeah. not done that. It does stay very true to the OG reboot from 2018. Yeah. And that's not always a smart move, yeah. uh, especially if you're trying to grow something, which we'll get into mm-hmm. in, a, in a moment. Yeah. Um, but in terms of God of War, like, yeah, you're you're you already you already got a nine point nine from the judges. Uh, I don't I don't think you you need to reinvent the wheel on that. You're literally but I messing also with ass- perfection, right? <laughs> yeah, I also assume that like considering how big the game is, there's more stuff in there. Like there's right. stuff in there. Yeah. Like there, you know, clearly there's more weapons, there's more enemy yeah. tricks. If they're throwing that kind of stuff at you in the first hour, yeah, uh, you know, some point. of that is like let's get the basic shit out of the way. Yeah, let's get the real because that was true of the first one too. I mean, you, you know, yeah, like especially like the end game stuff, like the that the poison dungeon and all that stuff. Like the you would have no clue. Yeah, you had no clue at the beginning of that game that any of that was coming. It's true. Yeah, they're not reinventions of the system you've already been using, but they are ways of using it in a a way that you probably hadn't thought of. Yeah. So I expect to see more of that as you progress through the game rather than reinventions of the wheel. And the level design is the same, so they're they're discrete chunks mm. of land mm. that you play through, and then eventually you get to this place where you go to this kind of like magical land in the sky that's like all psychedelic with all these trees, and then a magical door will appear in front of you, and then you enter that door, and off you go into the next section of the game. Mm. Again, that was a part of the last game, and it's here in this one as well. I am hoping we get to see all nine realms this time. That was my one, like, disappointment of the original of the first game was like oh you i can just go to like four of them or something mm-hmm. like that you're in this big machine they can take you anywhere but they're like arbitrarily broken for the ones it, that like... it appears that you can because yeah. there's a door that basically has a little insignia for nine different realms and mm-hmm. like you choose the insignia on the door and then that takes you to that realm so i think you're pretty safe in that uh, i mean if i were them that would be my first move would mm-hmm. be to be like, okay, we're gonna let them go to all of them now. Yep. Um, and that and appears have, to be the case. Yeah, and have two of them not be just like random, like one-off like dungeon crawls. Yep. Um, because there's way more interesting stuff to do there. Yeah, um, for sure. So, production values are great. Um, mm-hmm. not gobsmacking, but great. Um, I talk a lot about cross-gen development sometimes holding games back. You can see a little bit of that here again. This game isn't an open world game, so it's not drawing and using occlusion calling to not draw parts of this big open world. There's none of that stuff going on. It's just these little chunks of land and the game runs great. There's no frame rate buckles or anything like that, but it's not the fidelity that you get with like Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. It's not the fidelity that you got with the Demon Souls remake. It looks great, but not mind blowingly so. For instance, Last night, my wife was watching me play and Atreus was standing in the snow. And to her, it looked like his feet had been chopped off. She was like, mm-hmm. what happened to his feet? And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, his feet disappeared. And I'm like, no, he's standing in the snow and the snow is deep up to his ankles. And she's like, that's not what it looks like. And she's right. It does. That's not what it looks like. I've just my brain fills in blanks like that for me. And it doesn't do that for her because she doesn't play games like a maniac like I do. Um, but the game still looks great. Like I was recording footage in 1080p for the show and recording like right here where I'm sitting. 
Um, and I was like, oh, the game looks good, not amazing. And then after I finished recording, I went out to the living room and put it on my OLED TV. And I was like, oh, okay, hot damn. Like it, mm. it looks like a really good looking PC game, I guess is the best way that I could put it. Like if you look at Kratos, his back, and he has both his weapons and he has like, and he started customizing his gear. So there's a lot of different fabrics and things. It is pretty amazing to just see all the different texture work on all his different parts of armor on all his weapons, on the hilt of his axe. Like everything has a different texture, a different sheen, a different reflection level. Again, the way I would describe it is it looks like a really good PC game, like a game that was built from the ground up to run on a powerful PC. Now, I haven't seen a lot of ray tracing and stuff like that. A lot of things that were promised to us with this generation of consoles. And let's be honest, we haven't seen that in general from most games. And sadly, not even on the PC, really. Yeah, or even, I mean, they're yeah, all, they're only just now adding like full ray tracing to the PC version of Forza Horizon Five. Right. Yeah. So it's this has been kind of a letdown for this generation. It was kind of like the big thing that we all were plunking down five hundred dollars for. Mm, and I always really got the impression it was. I always got the impression it was more the only thing they could think of. Right. It was the selling yeah. point that they could put yeah. on the box or whatever. Um. So you don't get a lot of that here, but the game still does look great. If you have a really good TV, it looks all the better. Mm. Even in 1080p, it still looks great. It's just not mind-blowing and again because this game isn't rendering this gigantic open world my expectations for it are a little higher than other games but look if the trade-off is that people who have a ps4 can play it i'm totally cool with that like the more people who get to play this game i'm fine with it it still does look amazing running on a ps5 which Mm -hmm. is what i'm and i would imagine that they originally targeted this to be a little earlier than it has been yeah. So it would have made more sense to be cross-gen because you wouldn't have the penetration of the PS5 yet. Yeah. Um, you probably gotten away with really making it a PS5 exclusive if you knew it was coming out in November 2022. Right. But, but I don't think they knew it, that. That was the not time. the original plan. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's pretty much my experience so far with God of War Ragnarok. I don't want to get into too much more of the story because I don't want to spoil anything. Um, and Matt hasn't had a chance to play it. And when Matt and I get together on a game, I feel like that's when the real discussions get are good on Game Face. Um, Mm -hmm. So we'll save Matt and I both discussing the game way more in depth for the episode on Friday. But I guess I'll just say this is if you've been excited for this game and you're wondering whether you should buy it today. Yes, you're not going to be disappointed in the game. It looks great. It plays great. It sounds great. Uh, The story so far, I'm already hooked into it. Um, The characters so far, I'll say this, Matt, a lot of the characters in this world are ugly. Like, yeah. I think we said that about the original game, too. Like, some of the characters, you look at them and you're like, how long did you work on that character model? Like, you maybe should have spent a little more time on that guy. But a lot of those people who weren't very attractive in the first game are also not very attractive in God of War yeah, Ragnarok. I, I don't either. think they want them to be very attractive. I think they're trying to make them look like actual people. Rather yeah, they than almost like don't fit into the art stars. style of the game, it feels like to me at times. But whatever, that's just mm. nitpicking. So um, it's pretty much so far what you expect from God of War Ragnarok. And I think that's a good thing because it was our game of the generation and a game that a lot of you guys loved as well. So I don't think any of you guys should have cold feet jumping in and buying it today. Um, the other thing I noticed too, Matt, is that... Believe I, me, it's there's nothing else. <laughs> yeah, which we'll get into as we yeah. get on with the rest of the show. Yeah, unless you really think Sonic Frontiers is going to do it for you. Yeah, and it is like a 40-some hour game, so you're going to get your money's yeah. worth from it as well. So right now I can say safely that I think you're okay buying the game, um, and we'll all get together on Friday 
um, to discuss both Matt and I, our experiences as we get much deeper into the game. And at that point, you guys will have probably a frame of reference as well. And if we can't do the show live on Twitch because I'm still testing positive, um, at the very least, we can get into some great discussions in the comments, both on Patreon and at sifted.net. So that's all I got right now for God of War Ragnarok. We'll have much more coming to you guys on Friday when Matt gets a chance to play and I get a chance to play a lot more of it. All right, next up, we're going to talk about a game that I was pleasantly surprised by and hearing some of the stuff that Matt has been saying for the last 30 minutes or so, I'm wondering if he feels the same way. And that game is Bayonetta 3. I would just say that going into this game, I really had low expectations. I also didn't get to play it until I got back. So I got the review Mm -hmm. code from Nintendo for it, and then I was gone. And then I came back, and I kind of saw some of the reviews before I started playing it, but I didn't really read any. I saw, like, a couple scores, and I was like, oh, that's kind of low or whatever. But not really at that point, not something that I was surprised by because I hadn't played it. So, And I'm not a big Bayonetta fan, in all honesty. What about you, Matt? Have you been a big fan of Bayonetta in the past? I like the first one. I... Got like halfway through the second one until I realized I was just sort of that was enough. Yeah. And that was that. Like and um Bayonetta 3 didn't change any of that for me. And a matter of fact, starting Bayonetta 3 with almost an identical introduction as two uh did not do anything to raise my spirits on that. Um this game blows. Like really? I, I don't I don't I hate I really don't like it. And <laughs> wow. I played I played maybe it's two and a half, good discussion then. I played maybe two and a half hours and I have not gone back to it and I do not intend to. Really? I, I am done with platinum. Wow. Their gameplay has nothing to offer me. Okay. Like if, like if you're into it, cool. But it's the same shit they've been doing for almost 20 years now and I don't care anymore. Okay. And and the story I was a little shocked at how bad the story is, and it's even Are by band. I mean, yeah. Are you really like, shocked by that? I mean, Bayonetta. You at least the first one and some of the second one kind of had like some verve to it. This just feels like paint by numbers. It feels it's like they're just, just doing insane. the same shit over it's and over again. Completely bonkers. And the big, you know, the biggest like sin for me beyond this the usual thing with these character action games have, where it's like the character is like super awesome, does all this cool shit, and when you get to control them, it's like, eh, like yeah. you get three buttons. Good luck, you know. Um, <laughs> The enemies in this are so boring. Yeah. They are just big blobs of jello in armor, and they are utterly incomparable to the demons in one and the angels in two. Like yeah. these are every time they show up, and it's like, you look like shit. Like, well, they're mutated humans in this one. They're not yeah, but they just don't angels there's, or there's demons. No, there's no visual for yeah. There's like a multiverse invasion thing, but like yeah. And you're not playing. You're not playing the real Bayonetta kind of thing. There's a whole this weird shit going on. It's crazy, um, dude. It's <laughs> one thing I will say is this game, and I don't swear much on Game Face, but this game is batshit crazy. Everything yeah, and, about it is insane. And I don't think that's a good thing here. Like I, I liked it. I like it. I think it's so try hard. It's just so <laughs> it's it's, cr- it's cringy to me. It's just like oh, oh the story like, total cringe character and like and all the, cringe. Oh yeah, like the the what's his name? I can't I can't remember the name of the ca- returning characters. The dipshit Rodin, Gene, and the, then the new character the, is Viola. Yeah, she's all right, but like the the she also sucks though. I think she's also corny AF. And <laughs> yeah, well, she's and like I can't remember the name of the guy. The guy who drives her around. You know the the fucking. Rodin in the, the Rodin, guy in the yeah. pizza delivery van. Yeah. 
The guy no, who he, runs the bar. No, not the not the big dude who runs the bar. The little fat guy who oh, like yeah, yeah. drives the guy around in the, the convertible and, and acts like a too. like a nineteen eighty nine anime <laughs> like comedy relief character. Yeah. I just like go away like all yeah. this shit it's cringe sucks. the story is cringe it's like awful it's like, not it's, even like, like i would be embarrassed like 13 year old no <laughs> i'd be embarrassed to have it on in a room with other people in it like it's, it's just, made it's for eight-year-olds really but eight-year-olds bad. should not consume the rest of the content in this game it's no, like it's... i don't know who that stuff is designed for but this game goes immediately to 11 and never lets up yeah. never like i thought and that's part of the problem like it's the michael bay thing it's like it is. You have to breathe. You 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 can't it's just do that it. the whole time. The one time, I guess, the closest it gets to breathing is when it makes you play another character you don't want to play as right after it gives Bayonetta something cool to play with in the previous level. That's like, what oh, well, there, now I have to the wait. Side, to there use are side the scrolling thing. levels in this. Yeah, where you where you play as so Jean weird. and she's like a uh, like a spy girl and she's like stealth and it's side scrolling and I'm just like, what is this? Yeah, it reminds me a little of the it reminds me a little of the scarecrow levels in Arkham Asylum. A little bit, yeah. Which I also didn't really like. (laughs) No, which are also kind of like unwelcome breaks to that game's otherwise. Yeah, it's like I mean, look, I don't particularly like what I'm doing in this game at at any time. Um, But like that, especially, I'm like, oh yeah. And then like there was like a weird dawning horror of like, oh this this is a whole level. Oh, you're gonna make me do this for like an extended (laughs) period. Oh wow, like who do you think you are? You know, it's like. It just, ugh, ugh. I really, I have really enjoyed it because so I played like, is it the prologue or the epilogue that starts the whole thing before it really kicks off? Yeah, the prologue and, starts. And it's just bonkers. Like, it's just one insane scene after another where there's just a monster the size of a skyscraper just flying through like Manhattan, just destroying all of Manhattan while you're riding on it. And it's just the stuff that's happening. You're like, am I seeing this with my, with my eyes? And I thought, okay. This is just going to be until the real game starts. And then it will settle into a typical video game where you have a hub and then you go into the levels and you finish the level and then you come back to the hub. It never changes. It is just balls to the wall insanity the whole time. Now, there are stages eventually that you get to. And the way the stages work is there's like a list of altercations, basically, that you can Mm. get into. And... That's the weird thing is like it's so weird at the beginning where they kind of have you pick after the prologue they're like pick your your mission to go on and and then you just never see that again for like hours. You you can miss altercations, so you finish a level, it will have a list, and you get graded for each altercation like gold, silver, platinum, whatever. I've also learned that there is no faster way to make me not care about your bullshit than to give me a grade at the end of a level. (laughs) Like I don't go away like a. Oh, it was a B. I'm like, I got through it, didn't I? Fuck you. Well, like, sometimes it tells me, though, that I'm doing something the right way. So one of the things is that you can do in this game is you can summon kaiju at all times. And eventually mm-hmm. you get like a whole army of them and you can set them to the D-pad to quick select. And then you can literally just summon them at any time. Mm-hmm. And if Bayonetta takes a hit, the summon will go away. So the strategy is like, get her some distance away from the enemy, then summon, then send the kaiju into mm-hmm. fight and hope that it blocks any of the attacks that would end it. And it's also on a meter and you can upgrade that. Yeah, eventually. The, the meter is pretty generous. It's generous. But like, yeah. But it's but like, what I, but see the grading system taught me to start using the kaiju more often. I, mm-hmm. when I first started playing was like, Oh, this is like something I'm only going to use against bosses or whatever. And I was like barely mm-hmm. using it. And then I finally used it just like whenever 
And I finished with like a platinum grade. And I was like, oh, I need to use mm. these more often. And from that point forward, I was using my Kaiju all the time. So right. the, it the, was the actually a learning tool that taught me how to play the game better. Right. But the problem with that is that the Kaiju suck. Yeah, like they're, they're like three unwieldy. buttons. Their their moves are slow and dumb, or like it's like I don't want to play. Eventually, you get some pretty good ones though. I'm like, sure eventually, but but early on, like the for the first couple hours, I'm like I don't want to play as this big lizard thing. That takes something <laughs> to make me say that. Like, but eventually, a, a and then eventually, fan. it goes straight Godzilla, where it's not even you're not even like summoning the kaiju. There's just straight up kaiju fights where it's just a big kaiju against one of yours and it's just like a fighting game where they're just fighting on the screen. Yeah, like, but it's a really bad fighting game. It like is, the, the, yeah. problem, the problem is that Bayonetta herself is a way more interesting fighter than mm -hmm. any of the kaiju, but I still don't even care much about the Bayonetta fighting because it feels so much like the old fighting, but also a lot of times you're fighting these giant monsters, these huge things, and like the, the combat system kind of breaks down around that. It doesn't feel as interesting to fight all these big things as it did of fighting like a whole group of things mm -hmm. that are about your size and you kind of dance through it. Like it's, I mean, it's a was, mix. Like they'll some send it, out... but I, I don't I don't think it's like well mixed. I don't okay. I, I don't like the I don't like how they have adapted the combat to the larger things. Um, and it's just constant. It's just it just constant. it never lets up, man. It, like I said, it, goes to eleven and, and it just stays there, pegged. Like and it's just it's just there's it's no just sense one of insane moment after another. No sense of pacing. There's no sense of growth. There's no sense of movement. I like I, it's it's just the same shit over and over again. It just becomes noise, and it I, does absolutely nothing for me. Interesting. Does just nothing. Like if I was gonna, you know, I the, I know the reviews have been all over the place on this thing. But as someone who probably would have given the first two like probably an eight and a seven, I would give this a four. Wow! Like, oh my like god! I I way, really way, way I really <laughs> don't like this game. I think <laughs> yeah, it is apparently. I think it is is an insultingly bad entry in the series, and it, wow. it will probably kill Bayonetta as a series, and deservedly so. I think it was dead already before this game even came out. But probably, actually, I mean, it was never going to make uh, the. There's never going to be a Bayonetta four. Yeah. yeah. Um, we should actually summarize the plot very quickly for people who actually do care. Oh. As Matt said, it's a whole multiverse <laughs> crazy thing where basically Bayonetta dies in one multiverse and then the new character Viola is there when she dies and she leaves to go to other universes or multiverses to basically tell Bayonetta, hey, in this other reality, everyone dies and the world basically ends. And it becomes this weird thing where Bayonetta runs into herself. She'll go into a multiverse and there will already be another version of her there. And in a lot of cases, that version will die and then give her whatever weapon that they had. And then that's how you kind of grow your arsenal. Now, sometimes there's a hub, wor hub world that you go back to, which is basically just a bar where you can go and like upgrade Bayonetta's attacks. And the skill trees are pretty small. They're not as big as you might expect, but they're like for each weapon. And you get a bunch of weapons throughout the course of the game. So I understand why each one is an ex exceptionally large but you basically you go back to this hub world, which is just a bar where you can level up. And there's like all this stuff that you can buy with all these trinkets that you're picking up off the ground as you play. Um, there's like temporary buffs. There's like permanent buffs that you install in your weapons as kind of like, I don't know, ign ignorance or whatever. Yeah, well, it's um, the classic platinum like systems on systems on systems. It and is. it yeah. is you said a point where like, who who cares? Like, and when you do get out, it's also field, incremental. It doesn't even matter anyway. Yeah. Like, and basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to stop this guy from turning all the multiverses 
into one alphaverse, which then would basically end reality as we all know it. But if you've watched any movie about multiverses or whatever, it's the same crazy crap where, oh my God, there I am. But yeah, I'm it's, it's, a, it's like a Michael Bay directed everything yeah. everywhere all at once. Yep. Um, so yeah, you can buy items, accessories. Um, you can spend, so you spend all the stuff that you collect in the level. So make sure that you're collecting all that stuff if you're going to play the game. It does ultimately matter. As Matt said, there's basically three buttons for combat. Um, there's like a punch, a kick, and then your projectile weapons. Um, I still find the combat system to be fun. A big part of the combat is timing your dodge. When you do that, the screen goes dark and it gives you like a brief period where you can unload. That is really the key to the boss fights is timing your dodges well, to make sure you that's, get... That's witch time. It's been the key to Bayonetta forever. I guess yeah. that was the core gimmick of the first game and has kind still of become a big the trademark. Yeah, it's a trademark. Of her, yep. to the point that it becomes a plot point at one point as mm -hmm. to whether certain characters can do it or not yeah and then hidden inside the levels there are also like arena battles that you can trigger um and they're just what you'd expect some are just like survive the onslaught some are kill x number of enemies before the timer runs out sometimes when you compete in those one of your allies will come along for the ride like jean um, as Matt alluded to earlier, there are levels that try to break things up, like Jean is, has these spy levels that are side-scrolling 2D levels. There's some puzzle solving where you, like, manipulate time. You use, like, these devices to rewind time, and, like, bridges will reassemble, and then you have to run across the bridge before the timer. They try to do things to mix it up, but honestly, Matt, like, I think it just slows down and, and just takes away from the mental onslaught that is Bayonetta three. Like yeah. I agree, like it, it doesn't do it doesn't do anything to to improve anything. Like if that's what you're mean, what is meant to me, the breathing moments they don't work. Yeah, I didn't like them either. That's why I was like, just keep it balls to the wall the whole time. I enjoyed that part of the game. Um, the enemies, as Matt said, I agree a hundred percent. The enemies are repetitive and just dumb. Like they're either these like humanoid-ish like liquid enemies that you fight continually or they're these pot-bellied like big like trolls that you fight mm -hmm. and it just will have like a different color or a different kind of armor it's or even armor. for this series it is the same enemies it gets over and I agree over that. and yeah. over it's just unbelievable like i don't even like fighting bosses sometimes or mini bosses because i'm like are you going to become a normal enemy now? Like, I'm just going to have to yeah. fucking deal with you over and over again, like 15 of you next level. Like, it's, it's tedious. It's tedious. The game is tedious. That's the only thing I can describe it as. Now, I, I'll i be honest with you, Matt. I thought the combat was great. I really enjoyed it. I thought I got better at it the more I played it. Um, I felt I just like don't see much as, difference beyond the Kaiju I master stuff. one weapon, like I get another one, and then I'd master that, and then I get another one. Like I thought the pacing of bringing in the new weapons was great. Like maybe a little too quick because I didn't really get much of a chance to upgrade each weapon before the new one kind of came in. So it does kind of make no, the, the upgrades kind of That's what I mean when I say it feels desperate. Yeah. It's, it's just like, oh, here, what about this thing? What about this cool thing? What about this cool? What if you just made a good thing instead yeah. of a cool thing? The other thing? thing I would say too is that like, while the combat, there's a lot of depth to it and you can get good at it and you could do all these crazy things as you get better at it. You don't necessarily have to. Like I have no, found, you absolutely do not have to. That it does there not, are certain it does combos not push you. that will work like eighty percent of the time. Sometimes, yeah. like you have to switch it up a little bit, whether you're going aerial while you're attacking enemies. But a lot of the times, like the same combos will work through pretty much a lot of the enemies in the game. Um, 
But I did feel like the combat was deep. And if you do play it on some of the harder difficulty settings where I think they would probably require that you get better at it, the depth is there to get better at it and to make the higher difficulty level something worth playing, I guess is how I oh, I'm sure. It. Like, it's also very hard to read Finnegan's Wake, but that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't make it good. Yeah. Like, um, I, I don't I don't care about platinum style in combat. I don't think their combat is interesting. I don't okay. like I'm sure it's deep and got a lot to it and there's a lot to learn and you can master it and become very good at it. I will never do that because I don't care. If you pay really close attention to the combat system in this, they do some pretty cool stuff with how they do enemy transparencies. Um, if you watch like how the enemies float in and out of transparency as the combat is happening at like a breakneck pace, mm -hmm. like that's something I don't know if I've actually seen before. And that allows them like so you can keep so you can still see. Yeah. Because yeah. that allows them to put the kaiju on the battlefield and not completely like ruin the camera or mm. the combat system in general. Like I will say it's overall pretty impressive that they're getting the switch to do a lot of this. Oh, it's mind blowing. It is one of the maybe the best looking switch game on the market. Like it does. I haven't really even I've seen reviews. I saw someone say that like it chugged a lot. I haven't had that many problems with it chugging. Like I'm I've, astonished that this thing runs on the Switch. Like I've seen it chug like in cutscenes and at certain points, but I've never seen it chug during actual combat. Yeah. Like I don't really care if it chugs during like downtime mm -hmm. or or, or cuts a, a cut real time cutscene. Yeah. Like, but I've never seen it drop like significant frames or anything while I'm fighting. So, but that's, the, that's the part that matters. And it looks amazing. Like it, it is doing all kinds of crazy, like bump mapping and like all this stuff that most switch games do not do. And it still runs pretty damn good. Like again, yeah, I think it's, it's one of the best huge... looking switch games. No, it's a, like, it's an absolute technical achievement. Yeah. Like, but now there they should stuff... be interview. Nintendo should be interviewing those guys about how yeah. they made it do some of that shit. Or I'm they sure should they just are. release a new damn console because they've milked it. Well, for all that, they can get but like, it. Uh, there are other things too. Like the attention to detail isn't great. Like there's some scenes where like they're flying through the air, but their hair is like concrete and doesn't move. Like mm -hmm. I was, I, I always record game footage with the music turned down and like, that really helps you see like how much work has gone into the audio. Yeah. Removing the, the music from this game has got to be a killer. Like it's, it's all music. It's basically you're 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 basically watching Camille's like hallucinations while he listens to a playlist. Yeah, is, the music's is... pretty good, I would add. Um, yeah. not always fitting what's happening on screen, but it's pretty good. But no, if you but they've the always done that. Away, there's like no audio in this. Like, yeah. there's not enough foley work to back up what's happening in the cutscene. So while it is technically impressive, like they. And I guess obviously they probably ran out of time. They worked on this game way too long anyway, and it's not going to sell that great. So I can see why at a certain point, maybe they cut their losses. But if you really pay attention, if you play a game like this and then you play God of War Ragnarok, which is exactly what I did in a in the same day, you see the difference in the craftsmanship for sure. So, mm -hmm. um, but it's still one of the best looking Switch games on the market easily from a technical perspective. Whether you like the art or not, that's obviously subjective and that's up to you. I tend to like it, but it does get repetitive, as Matt said. The enemies yeah, get like, repetitive. and I like the design of like her and John and Viola mm -hmm. and all that. But like the, I think the yeah. enemies are the enemies are complete dud. Like yep. just especially in comparison to the, the there's there's a lot of imagination on display in the first two in the enemy designs. And mm -hmm. in this, I just feel like they they punted. Yeah, really, but I will really say, poorly. As a counterpoint to Matt, 
I am enjoying the hell out of this game. I'm like 10 hours into it. I'm a little over halfway, judging by the chapter number that I'm on. I haven't lost any excitement to play this game at all. It It, it is 11 and it stays there. It is kind of one note. So yeah. I have found myself playing a couple hours and then putting it down and then coming back you know, like half a day mm. later to play a little bit more. Yeah, I'm, I moved on pretty quick. And honestly, I, I had had it in my head like I should play it again just to like refresh before we do this. And I honestly forgot last night. <laughs> like I forget this game came out. Yeah. Um, in comparison game, to some of the other stuff. Yeah. One game I would compare it to a little bit is a little known game from Capcom called Asura's Wrath. It's yeah, that, I remember that kind of bonkers just this stuff As, is just happening that you're just like what like yes yeah, asura's wrath though like lets you play more of it maybe. like even even in the form of it's just, it's a form of qte so you so yeah. you, you know that's a that's a matter of opinion i suppose but like I didn't feel as detached from the crazy shit in Asura's wrath as I do <laughs> in Bayonetta 3 because a lot of the crazy shit in Bayonetta 3 happens in cutscenes and yeah. then you go into a fight sequence which is this same as all the other damn fight sequences you've already done like it's one the, thing the fight to show choreography in this is pretty amazing though in the cutscenes. Like, oh yeah for sure like that, you know that's that's all that same kind of like it's incredible you know, he's gonna surf of an ocean liner along the side of a tidal wave and fight a giant whale monster thing and uh, and like never like break a sweat doing the whole thing it's like oh my god that's really yeah really cool da, da, da. and then okay now fight 10 of the weird little jello guys yeah and just punch them to death yeah um, what can I surf on the thing? And do that? No, you just, just hit him. Like, yeah. Okay, that like those are two very different experiences. Whereas in Asura's Wrath, like you know, you're 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 throwing moons at each other, and at least I'm pressing <laughs> a button. Yeah. You know? My big complaint with the gameplay in this is that they require platforming, and the platforming controls suck. That yeah, was not... my biggest complaint with the gameplay. Combat, I'm okay with, but um, there are mission objectives where you have to platform quickly, and I even after playing this mm -hmm. for hours and hours. I never felt like I was in control of the platforming. It always felt no, like too, when I finally got it, I got lucky. Like, yeah, it's too slippery. And and for all the 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 camera is good at showing you what's going on during the fighting. Mm -hmm. It's just a little too high. Yeah, like you just I agree with you that. can't you can't quite see Bayonetta's feet well enough yep. to platform effectively with her. I'd agree with that. Um, the other thing I would say too is that I while I was playing this, I thought about Ryan Davis constantly from. <laughs> GameSpot and Giant Bomb. He loved games like this. Asura's Wrath was one of his favorite games ever. Mm -hmm. And I just sat while I was playing this, I just kept imagining his face while playing Bayonetta 3. I just know he would just have a smile just plastered across his face just as he blazed through these levels. Like, it is, I agree, it's a little bit of an acquired taste, but I am really loving the hell out of it. The story is dumb. The characters are dumb. It's a shame that they're ending the trilogy in such a with such a whimper, but mm. the rest of it I have really enjoyed. I could not see myself sitting down and playing like all day, like I can play God of War or some other games that have peaks and valleys. Uh, but the time that I spent with this, I have had a ton of fun with it. Like it just it just keeps catching me off guard. Like every moment, you never know what's going to happen. Like like you said, you're surfing on a whale down a skyscraper. Next thing you know, you're in Shibuya, Tokyo in the shopping center and you're just like what how did i end up here like it's just completely unpredictable and i feel like we don't get enough games like that anymore 
Um, so I have really enjoyed Bayonetta 3, and I do recommend buying it because it also is quite lengthy. It's not like a short 8 to 10, like action, 10 hour action adventure, like we expect a lot of times. Yeah, it's that, close that's to not like a, 20 hours. That's not a plus in my book. Yeah. Well, if you don't like it, I can see that. Yeah. I, I just don't think games of this type need to be that long. Yeah. Like, it could it, be. It's just, you know, especially considering Platinum always expects you to play these things over and over again. Yeah, I know in this, it's more like you go back to the chapters and you just replay individual chapters. You don't play the game over again. Yeah. You just pick the individual, you know, sequences. But like, no, nah, I, I, it, it is ridiculous to want $60 for this game as far as like, like, wait for a good sale. Like, if you're a fan of Bayonetta, you already have this game. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, you're already there. Yeah. Um, the, but I do think if you're a fan of character action games, I think this is like the best one in a while. Like, mm, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't mean, know what tops it. Well, that, that's kind of what I mean is like, you just don't want to really, play them anymore. They don't really make them anymore because <laughs> they kind of suck. Like, I don't really want to, I don't want to play. I didn't get more than halfway through Devil May Cry 5. I don't care about this game. I never particularly liked the genre. The I like this more than Devil May Cry Five. I'll say that. Yeah, it, it, I I would probably give this the edge over Devil May Cry Five. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. Devil May Cry Five was, I guess, fine, um, but it just felt very. Um, it took itself also... too serious for the absurdities yeah, it, that happened. Like, yeah, that's I think, the thing I about think... Bayonetta, they don't like try to make it seem like this is some yeah, serious but... thing. Oh yeah, but like that. Pro I think Bayonetta goes too far in the other direction. I think I, I think there's a there's a medium ground that you probably no one has ever actually. Maybe the medium ground is Ninja Gaiden. Yeah, um, that's true. Maybe, but yeah. but it's like you know, Ninja Gaiden knows it's ridiculous, but it does you know the characters take it seriously. Yeah, and that's not true in Bayonetta. And like sometimes that can be fun and refreshing, and it has been in some in at times in the other games. But in this, it just feels like everyone's here to like you know, punch the clock and go like, you know, everyone, like there's a point at which, you know, all this crazy shit's happening. And like, I know you're trying to go for like super cool anime hero thing who like, I'm surfing on a whale and we just blew up a ship and he's smoking a cigar on the top of a building and he's going to punch God back into the waves and stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, I, yeah, I get, but like at a certain point, if the characters don't think it's important, why should I think it's important? Yeah. You know? it I can understand that perspective. I just, I just had fun with it. Sometimes I think it's good to just have mindless fun. And that to me is what Bayonetta 3 is. I don't mind mindless fun, but like you gotta you gotta strike the tone, you gotta sell it as well as anything else. It's like, you know, mind you know, I will defend I won't defend it actually because it's a bad movie, but I love Equilibrium. Mm. That the the um Christian Bale movie, mm -hmm. which is basically like Brave New World is remade by like an idiot <laughs> <laughs> like who didn't understand it. Like yeah. and like I love that movie. It's terrible. Like it's garbage, but, it, but I enjoy that garbage. Uh, whereas like Armageddon is also terrible and garbage and I can't stand it Yeah, because it's a fine there's line. A difference. There's a doubt. There's a difference, a way to present this that appeals to me and that doesn't appeal to me. And then, and, and the way they ban at a three might appeal to somebody else, but it is not for me. Okay. Not so there you me. go. That's like, Matt, a big fat no on Bayonetta three. And there's me with a big fat yeah. yes on Bayonetta 3. And that doesn't happen that often. I will, I will just go back and finish Bayonetta 2. Thank you very much. Okay. And you can probably get that for five bucks at this point, too. So, oh, yeah. I think it was on it was on sale for that much, like the week before the third like the one week came after out, so. it went on sale. <laughs> yeah. That might happen to Bayonetta 3 as well, based upon some of the reviews I've been reading. So, yeah, I would imagine you can get this for a pretty decent price come Black Friday slash Christmas or so. It's possible. Like, Although, as we've yeah. said many times, Nintendo is very reluctant to lower the price of its first True. party games. True, um, and this is but, the first part okay, of Nintendo. But like product. I said, I, I mean, I looked for Bayonetta. I was like, oh, I wonder if you know Bayonetta's because I didn't have Bayonetta. 
Bayonetta 2 on uh, digital. I got mm. the, the physical copy. And yeah. The physical copy came with a, a card for two, but a code for one. No, that's right. Um, that's right. Yeah. So I have the digital copy of Bayonetta 1. And I was like, I just looked at it in the store. I'm like, oh, maybe I could get a digital Bayonetta 2. I wonder how much that costs now. And I think it was like 19 bucks normally, but it was on sale for like five. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a so like, yeah, Bayonetta does not seem to be beholden to the Nintendo price uh, hold, you know, hold rule. Yeah. Like, maybe it may drop is what you're saying. I, I think Bayonetta 3 will certainly drop. Uh, it's going to it's going to drop a lot faster than um, that Advance Wars collection. Uh, yeah. In terms of Nintendo's decision making that I don't understand. Uh, yeah, it's really bizarre yeah. at this point that that game hasn't been released. Well, uh, so it's like, like, oh, we can't, we can't do that because there's Russia. And I'm like, have you played the new Call of Duty? Yeah, like, <laughs> they haven't. They nobody fucking that. cares. Matt, you know they have not played yeah. the new <laughs> Call of Duty. <laughs> uh, so anyway, there you go. That's Bayonetta 3. I say buy it. Matt says don't buy it. And I think that probably falls in line with a lot of the reviews that you've been seeing. Some people like it and some people don't. But I think at this point, you probably have a very clear picture of what you're getting yourself into if you decide to pick it up. Uh, I was a little surprised by how all over the map the reviews were on that. They have been all over the place. Yep. Uh, Next up, we're going to talk about a game that I have not played even a lick of because it came out while I was in Greece. And we Mm -hmm. are getting in a little late on this, but this is one of the big games of Q4. And I know you guys want to get Matt's take on this because of his proclivities for character-based movies and film and his knowledge of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the DC Universe. And that is gotham knights matt the first thing i will say is based upon your initial kind of pre-show discussions we had about this it sounds like you don't hate it as much as i thought you were going to hate it um is that not true i don't hate isn't right but it's just i don't know like (laughs) it's it's not a good game okay it's but it's not a good it's not not a good game in the way that a lot of games usually are, where it's like, oh, this is unfinished or it's unpolished or this is bad and this doesn't work. Like, this is not a thing like and I and I don't get me wrong. I think ev- almost everything in Gotham Knights is wrong. But I don't think that in the way of like, oh, they didn't finish it or it's like, oh, the devs were lazy or they were incompetent and they didn't get. No, it's all it's all very, actually very well and competently done. I just don't agree with a single decision uh, Warner Brothers Montreal made about this game. Okay. Every single choice they made on Gotham Knights is wrong. Wow. That's, um, that's hard to do. There, There is not a single thing in this game that I would not change in some way. Really? Um, yeah, I, I think it is the most wrongheaded, like... The, uh, the concept of this game is solid. The concept of the game... Batman's gone... And the the player gets to play as one of the Bat family, like kind of filling the space and figuring out how to navigate Gotham with Batman gone. Now, do that's they show a... you what happens to Batman so that yes, he's gone? That's the, yeah, that's the opening. He gets killed by Rachel Ghul. Oh, okay. um, and activates his protocols that basically, you know, if, if you're watching this, I'm dead. Also, the guy who voices Batman, I didn't look up the voice cast, but the guy who voices Batman in this is awful. No, really. Like, in fact. The, the this opening scene is literally him fighting Rachel Ghoul in the Batcave. Like he gets ambushed by Rachel Ghoul, or, or I think he lures him to the Batcave, gets attacked there. And at one point, he kicks like Rachel Ghoul into like a like a little computer room, that's sort of like on a balcony area. And he's I don't remember what he says, but he says something, 
And I swear to God, I thought it was temporary VO that they forgot to replace. Like <laughs> that he, bad, huh? he sounds <laughs> terrible. Like he's just the wrong choice for Batman. Like just, he just kind of has a deep voice, and like it's not a bad, it's not a bad voice. You know, it's like it's not like it's not like I'm like oh he's a bad actor. He's not. He's a fine got a fine acting voice. I'm sure he's a great voice actor in the right role. But for whatever reason, that voice doesn't sound right coming out of that Batman. But it's also, also a little weird because people we've been waiting for a Batman game for a long time now at this point, and one finally comes out, and in the first scene, Batman, the people who right. <laughs> the person who people care about is killed. <laughs> it's like right. And I mean, look, there's you know, and so like the early part of the game is everybody being upset that Batman died and mm-hmm. all this. And Commissioner Gordon's already been dead for a while, which is why the cops don't like you, and because no. they're being they're being run the by a, right. Well, they're being run now by Kathy Kane. Um, and the Canes don't like the Waynes or any of that. So there's a whole backstory. There's a new continuity. So there's a backstory where they don't like each other. Um, and they are related. The, I think the Canes are uh, are where Martha. Why did you say that name? Uh, the, the Canes are where Martha. Her, that's her family. Okay. Um, and Kathy Kane, if anyone who watches the WB or the CW would know, Kathy Kane in other continuities is Batwoman. Um, but in this, she's not in a, this a, one. A, no, she's the commissioner, and she hates vigilantes, so the cops are going to shoot you on sight, basically. Except when you rescue them from random crimes, they're like, wow, I didn't think a vigilante would help <laughs> the cops. And, and you're like, so where's are the police the primary antagonists in this? Or no, is it they're, the villains? They're, the villains are, you're, but okay. the, the, the police are just not going to help you. Gotcha. Um, and in fact... That there's times like even early on, you're sneaking into like police headquarters to get like to get access to Rachel Ghoul's body in the morgue to like find clues and stuff. And like the cops are hostile, but like the game goes out of its way to say you do not get XP for beating up cops, hmm. so it's better to just avoid them. And they also are way more lethal than most of the other enemies early on. So I heard um, a hint there, Matt, of some detective work. Is that a part of the game? Uh, rudimentary. Um, so like it's that's that's kind of the thing is like. There are things that are in this game that I think are there because they know people would expect them from an Arkham game. But here's the trick. And this bog this bugged me for like three days when when this game came out and I was playing it. And I couldn't I couldn't figure out why I didn't like it and why it didn't compare right to Arkham and why it bothered me every single moment I was fighting in this game that it didn't feel like Arkham, even though it was kind of like Arkham, but it didn't click right with like Arkham and what was the difference and finally on like day three I was falling asleep and it hit me and I never worried about it again because I figured it out Gotham Knights is not trying to be an Arkham game it's trying to duplicate Insomniac Spider-Man game uh, and I'm not surprised to hear that is at the all. problem uh, no 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 not at all but that is the problem because the combat isn't like Arkham it's like Spider-Man it's dodge based. Uh, it's not counter based. The dodging even works the same way. You uh, dodge at the last minute, you get a perfect dodge. The guy is attacking you, and the little thing appears around his his hand and like you know shows you what he's attacking with, just like Spider Man. You get mar- markers for ranged attacks underneath you, so you know when they're coming from off screen, like Spider Man. When someone's going to shoot you with a gun, you get the targeting line at you that you have to dodge out of the way of. And when you dodge out of the way when they've committed to fire, it stays there, and so they've missed you. The problem is none of the characters in this game have interesting ways to deal with things like that the way Spider-Man does. And they've got, you know, there's an emphasis on gadgets and you have to build up like a, like a, a stamina meter to use that stamina meter to then activate your gadgets and your special abilities, just like Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. But like what happens when you dodge a, like a gun 
in Spider-Man. If you get that perfect dodge, you do the web counter and you web that guy up and he's yeah. he's out of action for a couple of seconds while you deal with other stuff. Yep. Can't do that in this. There is no perfect dodge of, of ranged weaponry. Oh. There is no ranged attack or counterattack that deactivates that enemy for a while. So you have the dodging mechanics and you have the attempt at the agile combat of Spider-Man, but you do not have the satisfying counterattacks and tools to deal with the enemies that you have in Spider-Man. So you what are you end up doing, I'm just guessing here, what you end up doing is taking out the ranged enemies first and then mopping up right. the melee guys. Pretty much, unless you like the other, because the other problem is like, one of the things about Spider-Man is the the, the 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 enemies that are armed with, I mean, actually melee too, but they're not as important. But the enemies that are armed with like guns, like you can see that they're armed with, they're holding guns, they're shooting guns, you know, and, and Spider-Man can even pull the guns out of their hands and knock them down or knock, yep. knock the gun out of their hand. And then another enemy can go pick it up. Mm -hmm. And part of the strategy of Spider-Man is preventing them from picking those guns up again yep. or picking the gun up and spinning around and throwing it in their face. Um, there is nothing like that here. And in fact, most enemies uh, do, except for special, like there's fire bombers that are kind of one of the, but most enemies have a ranged and a close attack. So you don't always know who has a gun until they materialize an AK-47 out of out of nowhere and suddenly start shooting at you from a distance. You're like, oh, I guess I should have hit you more. Um, so it's hard to kind of prioritize that. And look, it's not that hard. Like, it, it doesn't matter. You do have two. So you have one attack. And this game melee. is two-player co-op, correct? Theoretically, yes. And they are adding four-player co-op. Now, in, in can a you patch. just pick up random people from online to play with you? Or does it have to be somebody that you send uh, an invite to? I believe you're supposed to be able to do randomly, yes. Okay. I, I don't know if that worked at launch. But they just did a patch that I think helped some of it. And you are, it is free roaming. You can go fuck off and do whatever you want. Like, So it's a big and, open world. Yeah, Gotham's an open city. Like you, That's like good you, at least. Um, well, I'm surprised no. actually to hear that. We'll, we'll get, we'll get <laughs> to that. I shouldn't be, but that's, I am. That's another problem. We'll <laughs> okay. get to that. Um, but but the, the gist of this is that when I stopped comparing it to Arkham and started comparing it to Spider-Man, it made a lot more sense. Uh -huh. it, didn't make, it didn't make it any better because... <laughs> that was a bad what they were call. trying to it was do. a bad call for two reasons both because the characters they're dealing with do not have the for what i mean look there's no reason nightwing or robin or batgirl couldn't have like a counter bola attack that yeah. wraps a guy up i mean you could just give them that but they just don't have that and yeah. i don't see it anywhere in the skill tree so i assume you don't ever get that um and like there's two attack buttons there's um melee and ranged that's it there's you tap That's the X, it. you tap the X button and you punch. If is you there hold, any like rhythm to it where if you tap it in a certain yeah, amount of it, time, it does, like it it has the thing that Arkham has where if you if you tap the button for the next hit in the combo at the instant your punch lands, you get a slightly stronger hit. Okay. And in some some characters will do extra combo hits if you can pull that off. Others do not. Uh but but so and if you hold the attack button instead of tapping it, you get a heavy attack. Okay. And the ranged attack works the same way. You, you just you do a little range combo, you hold it, you do a harder combo, which usually means throwing a spread of things at enemies. The difference there is Red Hood. So everybody's melee focused except Red Hood. Red Hood is gun focused. Um, and the melee stuff is really just backup for him. Mm -hmm. um, Red Hood is terrible. <laughs> He's a terrible, <laughs> terrible character. The I'll game, be honest the, with you, Matt. I really have hardly any affinity for any of the playable characters in this. And actually, uh, that is get, an issue. Before we get yeah. too much farther, actually, what is the objective of the game? 
Are you just getting revenge for Batman? Or... You're trying to. I mean, you're trying to figure out like, like what happened and why Raish went after him. Because when you go to get Raish's body, uh, Talia's there, um, and she burns Raish's body. Like she, they, they, you know, when you get there, you, you you know you think she's there to steal Raish's body back, dump it in a Lazarus pit, and bring it back to life. Like all you know, that's kind of the standard mo. But mm-hmm. instead, she whips out this thing and torches the body and and destroys him. And they're like, "What?" You're like, "Why did you do that? That is totally not what you do." And she's like, "We've been having disagreements." And they, but so you don't really know <laughs> why she's being that way but like you know that something is going on there but then after that you get distracted by like harley shows up and starts making noise and mr freeze is around doing shit because there's the the early part of the game is sort of putting out fires of the super villains that realize that batman's gone okay because with him gone they're like oh it's time to do shit and like free for all yeah your job is kind of be like, no, we're still no, here. No, we're still here. We're not him, but we're still here. Yeah. And then it kind of it 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 veers eventually into um the court of owls stuff, okay. Which is kind of uh that's a it's a great great modern Batman story, um which everyone should read instead of playing this game. So it's not handled well inside the context of the game. It's, it's okay, but the problem is that the, the the crux of the court of owls story in the comics is that there's a secret society that's been around for like over a century that is essentially controlling Gotham. And the reason Gotham never gets any better and always sucks and Batman's mission is an endless mission that will never succeed is because the Court of Owls wants Gotham to be a cesspit of crime and vice. Okay. And and it goes back, it t- it's tied in with the Wayne's family history and the family histories of a lot of the big families in Gotham and like there's people that are involved in it that, you, that Batman would never have suspected would have been. And the big thing about Court of Owls was that Batman... Batman, the man who knows how to beat Superman, the guy who has a, a files on how to beat every Justice League member, the guy who once sat in Metatron's Metro, Metatron's chair and became God and was surprised at how little new things he had to find out by being God. Batman did <laughs> not know about the Court of Owls. Like oh. that was the big deal. Was like there was this thing that Batman, after you know, however ten years of being Batman, the world's greatest detective, he had. N- never stumbled over he this. still didn't know and yeah and it was a big deal because it was like oh my god what else does do i not you know it's a big right. that's a confidence shaker yeah for, for sure. anyone but especially for someone like bruce wayne who wants to be like you know the best all everything yeah prepared for all stuff like i have a book that is called the, the, the anatomy of a superhero and it's just like anatomy drawings of, of super of characters from dc and it's the the in-universe thing is it's written by bruce wayne it's written by Batman as like a <laughs> rundown of how to beat all these things, right? right and it's right. all drawings that are supposedly drawn by, by him, him, and they're and, gorgeous. Yeah. And you're like, why? And I was like, He's why? Yeah. Why is Batman so good at drawing? At well, everything. Batman's yeah. good at everything. <laughs> yeah. That's why. So yeah. the fact that he didn't know that. So so the the big thing here is like the Court of Owls stuff. I mean, I'm not done with the game, so I don't know for sure. But the the Court of Owls stuff is not like it's done badly or they made any real egregious changes that I can notice so far. Um, Because that's only just starting in my Mm -hmm. game. So I'm not very deep into the Court of Owls stuff like proper. Mm -hmm. But doing Court of Owls without Bruce Wayne involved is stupid. Like so much of how the impact of Court of Owls is its impact on what Bruce Wayne believed about his legacy and his family legacy and who his parents were and who they really were. That to, to reveal those changes to Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon doesn't really have the same fucking impact, does it? Yeah. You know, it's, it's just, it's just nothing there. Um, 
so it's not like the story's bad. It's just sort of like it's in such a weird version of Gotham that it's hard to sort of know where you're going. I will say this, like, again, the way I said about, you know, I'm not saying that they're lazy or incompetent people making this game. They're not at all. There's a lot of detail. There's a lot. Of, clearly, they're fans of a lot of this stuff and they know mm -hmm. the, the material. And like, there's impressive stuff. Like, so, like, and I actually te I tested this because I started to realize, like, what happened? Because you can choose whatever the four characters whenever you, you want and go out at night and go do whatever you want. And I'm like, so what happens if I like how different? So I went and I kind of reloaded a couple things, made some duplicate saves, and like went back and like went and talked to Talia, you know, for the first time with different characters. Went and, and ran into Harley for the did the Harley stuff for different characters. Some of those cutscenes are completely different. Like, really? So, sometimes it's just the villain kind of says, you know, the other character says the same lines and your character says different lines and they still sort of match up. Sometimes it's a different scene. Like, like wow. it, you'll get in things where like, oh, like Harley has very different things to say to like Dick Grayson than to Barbara. And like, that's cool. Like, that that, cool. like you didn't yeah. have to do that. Yeah. Like, you know, that there, there's there's a lot of a care and attention put into a lot of that stuff. I Sounds like think, it might be like, a case of the cart being put before the horse, though. <laughs> a little bit. Like, I mean, I'm sure those are different. You know, the the, the combat team and the cutscene team are two different groups, yeah. obviously. You know, like so, so you know, they didn't need you know the the, the the they didn't you know whoever forgot to put in some kind of satisfying counterattack for ranged weapons is not, not the guy who realized that Harley Quinn would probably have different reactions to the different characters. Yeah, um, but I appreciate that. Like that, there's a lot of stuff like that. They're all they they try to differentiate them. But there's also some tedium in that. Like I said, so Gotham is a big open world, right? Mm -hmm. um, you can travel around. When you first start, all you have are your, is your grapple thing. Uh, just like, you know, now here's the thing. And here's kind of the thing that ended up being, that, this is the thing that kept confusing me and kept making me think like, why would you change this from Arkham? What is what is the grapple in Arkham? Right bumper. It's always been right bumper. Mm -hmm. Right bumper. Like that's the, you, you need to get out of a thing. You need to jump up. You need to get to the next gargoyle after stealth killing guy. Right bumper. That's like, yep. that's, that's instinct. Now in this game, it's left bumper oh, and there geez. is, and there is no way to remap the fucking controls. Oh, and why would they do that? Because that's where it is in Spider-Man. Oh, that's shameless. Right. <laughs> and like, so, so wow. early on. So early on, I'm just like, there's a whole thing where I'm like, I don't, I'm just like, yeah, okay, right. It's this one. It's not the right bump. Okay, fine. Like, I'm getting it. There's no real way to aim it. There's no real way to know what you're going to grapple onto next. No. It jumps around a lot. Like, there's times when I go, because like, what the way it works is you grapple up and the grapple has a variability of length that I can't figure out. Like, sometimes it barely gets you to the next, like, light post. Sometimes it gets you to the top of a, like a 400 foot building. <laughs> like and you can't tell when and like it just jumps around like crazy like because the way it works is like you you target and you you zip up and you can hit the a button to jump at the end so like you do a jump like launch off wherever you land like spider-man but instead of having like the, the horizontal zip line of spider-man you just have to hit the the button again yeah. and hope you grapple onto something that's going in the same direction you want to go. So you the whole traversal is just that. Zip line, hop, zip line, hop, zip line, hop the whole time. There's no flow. There's no constant speed of it. You you always have to sort of stop a little bit to do the hop, uh... right? And as you do the hop, you kind of got to find what you got to grapple onto next. And sometimes, like, I'll see the little dot, little circle reticle will pop up onto, like, a building or a pole or whatever. I'm like, okay, that's a good thing right in front of me. I can hit and do that. And right as I hit the button, 
it disappears and somehow has decided to target like the skyscraper to my left. And oh, he just geez. goes all the way up. And you got to drop off that and like get up and try to land on something else. But then you got to aim down. And like, it's a, it's I mean, a that's just a fundamental screw up. Oh, it's, it's just not good. It's not good at all. And so here's the thing. Every character has their own extra traversal ability. Okay. You know, like when you first start playing this, I started with Batgirl. And like, when you first start playing this, you're like, why can't I glide? Mm. Like, basic Arkham stuff, right? So, <laughs> so early on, you have this thing, like, early on, you get a, a quest. All four of them get a quest called Knighthood. And what that is, you got to complete this Knighthood thing, and that gets you access to your extra traversal ability. Oh, uh. So, so you have so, to complete so a to, mission to get it, basically. Yeah, but so to do that, you have to, I think you have to complete a specific training thing in the in the Belfry, which is where you you hang out. That's your home base. That's your base. It used to be it used to be the clock tower Oracle was set up in, but she's not Oracle anymore. She's Batgirl. So you, you set up there. Right. So you have to go do that training mission. I believe you have to take down three of the big guys with shields who don't show up very often early on, but start show up, show up more. Because the way it works is that you go back to the Belfry. And then you go out, at, you pick your character and you go out for on patrol. And every patrol is like an individual knight out in Gotham. And when you beat guys up... Is there a timer tear- where you have to get no. back to the Belfry? Okay. No. You, every, you just kind of run out of things to do. <laughs> and like, <laughs> and because uh, there's always random crimes around. So you can just go get do random crimes. And if you scan them, sometimes they'll have a question mark over their head. And if you interrogate them, they'll give you these red question marks, which mean which are clues. More detective the, stuff, basically. Kind of. But it's like really rudimentary. You fill the clue bar up enough and when you get uh, and you get back to um the belfry and it you 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 know you feed the the bar empties it feeds the clues into the bat computer or whatever and that will unlock what are called premeditated crimes for the next night which are like surrounded in red and they're they're like the random so think about it like like uh spider-man like you can run around run and find like random robberies popping up but mm-hmm. then sometimes you'll get like the police call yeah. That's like, oh, there's a there's a car being stolen. So then you got to do like a little more, slightly more involved yep. crime. That's what that is. Okay. The, the premeditated crimes are like getting the police band call. And those happen the next day after you've uncovered enough night. clues to expose so, them. Yeah. So that so so the knighthood thing is one one training mission, three big guys, and ten premeditated crimes. Oh, and the geez. most premeditated premeditated crimes I've managed to unlock in one night is nine. So it's two days but, at least. Of- but wait, wait. You have to do it for all four uh. separately. It, almost <laughs> everything else, like you, all the characters level up together. There is no lag on that. They gain stuff like just, just you know, as well, a that's group. good actually. That they, anyway, but, but this thing, except for that thing, <laughs> the, their main traversal ability, you wow. have to grind. It took me like an hour to do all four of them. Jeez. And here's the thing two of them suck. The traversal sucks. The traversal, so there's, there's they all have different ones. So Batgirl gets the glide, like like in Ar- the old Arkham games, which is mm-hmm. fine. The, you know, yep. it does the job. It's cool. Um, uh, Red Hood and Robin both get teleport abilities. Um, I Red generally Hood, do not like those in video games. Red they Hoods always... is okay. Robin's is one of the worst things I have ever. You so in, with Robin when you start to drop. From the from the hop or a fall, you can hold the right trigger. The right tr- the right trigger is the is the traversal ability, which is also something that, that's hard to learn after holding A to yep. glide for years in yeah. Arkham. Muscle so memory. You, but what do you use to traverse in with the webs in Spider Man? You hold the right trigger. Yeah. So that's why it's the right trigger. And so you that's hold right crazy. trigger. <laughs> uh, Robin disappears. 
everything stops dead and you've got this little floaty like kind of portal looking thing that you can just sort of slowly drag over the city and move up and down for about 10 seconds until you forcibly are dropped like to wherever the with no is. more with no momentum right where it is the <laughs> it is literally faster to just do the stupid grapple hop grapple yeah. hop thing with him the best yeah. one is nightwings because the game is built around nightwing like really? nightwing is the best character and the best feeling character head and shoulders by far his glide ability and you may have seen this in one of some of the videos of the of the the gameplay videos he gets like this it's called the trapeze glider and it's like he hangs on just like a, it's like a glider it's a powered glider he gets oh. powered flight like and everybody can, else just <laughs> he can stay aloft like as long as he fucking wants it's Ugh. so fucking weird there oh. is no way for the others to like extra boost their their movement like other than let go of it do you think that they brought the other characters in later like originally it was just supposed to be a nightwing game and they were like uh that's probably not gonna fly i don't i really don't know Uh. i really don't know like because they're all different theoretically they all have different like focuses so like uh like robin is stealth focused um um yeah robin is stealth focused uh, obviously, Red Hood is power. He's he's ranged guns and pow- he has like a lot of he is he's part of his skill. One of his skill trees is involving grabbing guys and like throwing, throwing them and hurting them that way. And, and and that's kind of a not amazing ability with the other characters. But he kind of if you can find a way to grab him, because early on I'm like the, the the enemies attack so much. I'm like, how am I going to get time to grab somebody and do all this stuff to them with Red Hood? And it turns out because when you grab someone, everyone else just stops fighting you. Oh. <laughs> um, it's like the old Assassin's Creed counter kills. Yeah. And so Red Hood is, is I don't know why Red Hood is as big as he is. Like, like Jason Todd in this game is the size of Bane. And like, it just, it's just like this big meathead, meathead who just wants to bust heads. And I'm like, that's not who that character is. Yeah, I don't remember that weird. character being not that at, all. at all. Like that, yeah. it's just it's just there because they want. They need it. They, they need they a honestly, brawler. They honestly, because because so, you have like Nightwing is like the the best fighter and the leader. Mm-hmm. Robin is um is stealthy and kind of the wisecracker a little bit. Uh, Batgirl is the hacker tech person, and uh, Red Hood is the big brawler. They're the fucking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No. Some of them are even the same color. Like the leader, <laughs> Nightwing and Leonardo like this entire game has just cribbed ideas from pop culture all over the place. There is a little bit of that, yeah. And yeah. like, so that, and so it's like, so I wanted to play, I played Batgirl mostly at the beginning. And then like when I unlocked all the traversal stuff, I switched to Nightwing because A, he feels the best to fight with and B, he can get across the city like in half the time. The other yeah. Characters Why would get. you play as anyone else? And then you also have the bat cycle, um, which uh, you can, it's always uh, cloaked and you just hit up on the D-pad and it decloaks right in front of you on a street and you can ride it. But it doesn't. All four characters can use that? Yeah, they all use that. And it, but it doesn't really feel like you're going very fast. It has a lot of frame pacing issues. I will say they put up a patch this past week that fixed a lot of the frame pacing problems in combat. Mm-hmm. Like the perfect dodges are way easier to do now when they're okay. before they were like, sometimes it just wouldn't respond properly. Yep. Now it feels way better. Um, it's not a, it doesn't, it's not a better combat system. Cause there's still nothing like satisfying to do. You know, you can do a perfect dodge and a perfect attack and the perfect attack will knock a guy down, but there's nothing you can do about the ranged guys really. Okay. Um, that's the problem. And, um, the uh and, and like so the cycle just feels like it goes kind of slow uh it's, it's a little hard to control kind of slippery it's certainly 
better than the Batmobile <laughs> in Arkham Knight and all the tank. You bullshit. hated that, <laughs> but like, but it's it's not a very. So you've got like a bunch of different alternate alternate. You got several alternatives and and options when it comes to traversal, and they all kind of annoy you in different ways. Um, also, uh, for those who always complained that the Arkham games were an empty Gotham, here's your wish because Gotham has civilians in this. Like oh. there are normal people walking around and running around and driving around in this game that it's not like all criminals this time, but they couldn't quite get the game to work around that in the sort of Batman not killing thing. So every once in a while, you'll kind of kill a bystander. Oh, um, and in fact, my favorite, like Do they just I mean, like disappear. Yeah, you don't see what happens really. It's, yeah. it, it's it's sort of like Spider Man where they you know anyone gets anyone who gets knocked off the building magically grows a web line that holds them there and like presum <laughs> oh, right. yeah. presumably in less than an hour when the webbing dissolves, someone came along and pulled them up and arrested <laughs> them. You know? Yeah. Um. But in this, like my favorite unintentional laugh in this game so far has been because if you summon the bat cycle, it, it drives up and uncloaks right. Uh -huh. And I fought a thing and rescued a guy, rescued some guys. There's these. There's firefighters that were being being attacked by thugs or whatever, and I beat them all up, and they're like, "Thanks, thanks, Nightwing." Da, da, da. And I summon the Bat Cycle, and the Bat Cycle uncloaks and runs over the, the one firefighter. <laughs> I and, love moments like that in open world games, though. That's... And I'm like, and I, and I get to, it's in the bike, and Nightwing's like, it's like, it's like we're looking out for you. <laughs> Not you were, but the cycle wasn't. Now, um, Matt, it, it sounds like uh... you played this game mostly by yourself. Is that accurate? Yeah, I I, I didn't get anyone in the co-op and i don't know if that was because co-op doesn't work or no one else on my friends list was playing co-op or playing this game at all i don't know so it sounds um, but it sounds like the cooperative stuff is just like you don't need it because one of the first demos that they showed there was like the boss fight who are they fighting like the ice guy what's his name mr freeze um, yeah and it appeared like you needed to have somebody else to no, make not at all. But that's, and it ends up that's not the case. Okay. No. And in fact, you you can go do stuff like you know, I don't I don't know how the story stuff would work if you were playing co op. I imagine mm -hmm. so. If you anyone who activated it in the, I mean, I, I think the person in your game doesn't get to activate that stuff. I think I think whoever's hosting uh, like okay. chooses that. I would I would imagine. And because I, I, there's things like you, you know, there's like trials like flight trials where you like you know you're supposed to fly through rings with your extra ability superman and oh, 64 <laughs> and oh boy does robin suck yeah like slowly I hate, I hate slowly dragging like a teleport marker across a fucking hula hoop <laughs> while a timer counts down go away yeah. like but like that but when you fail that it'll pop up a thing that says like you know your gamer tag has failed the, the time trial yeah. challenge or so you can you get little updates about what the other player in your game is up to yeah. um but it doesn't I, I have not run into a situation where it made it made me want to co-op have to co-op and it's it never even has done a thing where it brings in like a computer controlled other you know main character to help you with something um i don't think so anyway okay it, it sounds like the game's not as bad as not either one of us thought it was going to be that it's like a passable, playable Batman ish yeah, it's, game. It's it's kind of fine. It's the the its biggest problem is that it's been seven years since we got a Batman game. Yeah. If if they were regularly putting out some Arkham style Batman game, it doesn't even have to be Arkham. You could reboot the whole thing completely. Right. Do, just play. The thing is, Batman gameplay is solved. Yeah. Like that's how out. Batman works. Rocksteady figured it out. Yeah. It's done. Just yeah. make that. 
make new, do Court of Owls, do a new, you know, do the animated series, completely change the art style. Completely, I don't care. Like, you know, whatever. But do Batman. Give me, yeah. if, if there were regular Batman games, I would be more willing to look at this as like, oh, this is an interesting kind of side. Like, I branch off. Yeah. They wanted to give the Bat family a moment in the spotlight. They wanted to make more of a Spider-Man style game. And Batman himself doesn't really make sense for that because he's more of a big fear-driven, like, you know, punch him up guy. Yeah. So like have the, the smaller, more agile bat, uh, you know, the sidekicks do that. And it makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, in that case, I, you know, if, they, if we were still getting regular Batman content, I would be like, Oh yeah, this is just a side thing. If you're not into it, you're not into it, but it's a nice little like kind of way to sort Diversion, of spice things yeah. up and make it me you know, branch out a little bit from the normal Batman stuff, but there is no normal Batman stuff. This is all we're getting. Yeah. It's all you get. And then like suicide squad isn't going to, scratch that itch either no and so even if they learn from this and sort of backtrack and realize oh we got to make some batman we're going to be waiting four years or something yeah. for that we'll be it's discouraging at, i mean we'll we're going to be waiting be 11 up. years between major yeah. batman games at least that's inexcusable like if that's... they if they correct course and decide to give us a batman game we'll be lucky if that thing comes out by the end of this generation right yeah you're right and like yeah. all I, that's all i can think of when i'm playing this game and like that's not fair to that game no, but it's still but the you can't case. help it. It's human nature. Yeah, it's still it what is. it's still what happened. And look, it's not it's not Warner Brothers Montreal's fault that Warner Brothers is run by morons, like yeah. and even bigger ones now. Like they you know, God knows what's going to happen. Yeah, who team. knows? You're right. You know, like after yep. with, with Zaslov cutting things left and right and making all these weird decisions. You see, they canceled Westworld out of nowhere. Yeah, after renewing it was supposed to end in season three. Then they renewed it for season four. So they're like, oh, we'll just end it in season five. And now they're not going to have a season five. And let me tell you, in streaming worlds not having an ending to your show stops people from watching watching it. any of it yeah like rome yeah. has that problem too yeah and like hbo has a lot you know it's carnival like hbo has so i also heard that this no last ending. season of westworld was amazing which i haven't, I haven't watched it, it yet but i don't know generally people are saying it was one of the best seasons of the show so. I, I heard a lot of people saying they got got it back on track after some like weirdness in three yeah the third um, season i bear i drag myself to the finish mm-hmm. line yeah, which but that is why is sort I didn't of, end up watching the fourth one yet. But so. that's the thing is like you've you know who knows what's going to happen to this team. You know, if this game is underperformed, I don't know what it's selling. Yeah, this game underperformed. Well, who would you recommend buy this, Matt? Anyone? I don't know. Like, I mean, Batman fans, it's all they're going to get. So would you? Yeah, suggest that they pick it up. Um, I guess you could, but like you better be ready for. I mean, it, it's 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 lower those expectations. Yeah, it's not going to scratch the Arkham itch. Mm-hmm. At best, it's gonna it's like a mediocre Spider Man Insomniac Spider Man clone. Yeah. Um, which to be fair, we don't really get any of. No, so. but like it just doesn't. I mean, I, I I'll I will say this: if they added the ability to perfect dodge gunfire and gave them the characters some kind of counter off of that, like the web shot that like tied up the guy who shot at you mm-hmm. for a while, so you could focus on other things for a minute, I would have much less negative feelings about it. It would be a much more satisfying game if you had that. Um, just a little thing. And I, I wonder if that's not in there purely because they didn't want to look quite like they were just straight ripping Spider-Man. Off. Yeah. But yeah. who cares? You can't copyright game mechanics. Nope. You can't. Like, yeah. And it's not like... Some have tried. A, <laughs> yeah, it's not like tying a guy up with some gadget is some alien thing to, to Batman. Yeah. Um, You know, and they, you know, I, I just don't, you know, and I'm maybe I should be messing with the, the powers of the gadgets more. Like everybody's got all these little abilities, but I always forget they're there, you know, mm-hmm. like 
not like Spider-Man, where Spider a lot of Spider-Man's like you know stamina powered abilities were sort of integral to how he functioned. Yeah, you know, like they're all very useful. All the stuff in this game feels um, like you don't need to use it really. Like you can you can get through all the com- most of the combat by just punching and being smart about who you're dodging and what you're attacking first. It's also very hard to get. Um, you know, go through things, you know, Batman could kind of run through stuff in stealth and, and knock guys out and you could kill everybody in stealth and you wouldn't know you kill anybody or Batman. You knock everybody out. No one would know you're there. There's a lot less of stuff like that. Like, cause you know, and for a second I thought, Oh, cause I got, um, who was, I think it's, it's, um, Batgirl can do the thing where when you're above a guy on a perch, you can, you know, you, you hang him up mm-hmm. and do that thing. But what I didn't, I'm like, oh, okay, so that maybe I'll play her because she can clearly do the stealthy stuff a little better. Or maybe it was Rob. I can't remember if it was her or Robin that does that. But when you do it, basically, you alert everybody in the world and they all see you. Like, no. like there is no, um, there is no like stealth area with the gargoyles thing. Like, there's no dedicated. Where it's just credit. set up and the enemies yeah. have sort of preconceptions. It's just like, it's like yeah. you can do that if you want, but the game isn't like, setting up a predator section for you. Gotcha. you know, it's like, that's not a gotcha. thing. Um, and clearly they know that that's an issue, I think, because one of the things uh, that they did add, which is a, feels like a bandaid, but it's probably a pretty good bandaid is when you, if you're fighting and you're feeling overwhelmed or you need to get out of dodge for whatever reason, you, if you hit the, the, the grapple, the grapple, the left bumper, you hit grapple, but hold it. Uh, your character will drop a smoke pellet as they grapple away, and it will gra- vastly improve the chances of everybody not knowing where you went. Okay, and that's um, so in you... line with the IP, so that works. Yes. Yeah. And there, one thing that, I don't know why this surprised me so much, but I was very surprised to realize that there is no inventory like for smoke pellet. Like you just have infinite smoke pellets. No. You can do it whenever you, can do it whenever you want. And in fact, Robin has an like one of the things you can do is you can instead of like the drop down and do a, a takedown. If you're if you're above them and kind of in vicinity, you can do an aerial assault, which basically just like zooms you at them and you get a big hit, big hit on them to start the fight. Robin has a, get, get an ability where he drops a smoke pellet every time he does that. Mm. So instantly you get a big first hit and then nobody knows where you are. Gotcha. And okay. you can kind of like take advantage of that and then maybe grapple out as the smoke clears and drop another smoke pellet. So there's ways you can do that. It just feels really it doesn't feel as feels like grafted on basically. yeah it, it doesn't feel as planned as our yeah. does it doesn't feel like and i i really it wasn't until playing this game that i i really you know because you click the right stick to crouch and go into stealth mode and i'm like the way batman does it where you hold the right trigger and he sort of when you're holding the right trigger he's stealthy and when you let it go he's up yeah and the smoothness of being able to do that like i miss it every single time i play this game now it's a click Hey, clicking the yeah. stick. Yep. It just it that, that's part of the problem, I think, is that like isn't it is you know it, part of the problem is like there's part of it is half of it is ripping off Spider-Man, a vastly superior game, and half of it is sort of trying to plug the gaps of not being Arkham, but it doesn't play it just plays like every other game instead of playing smooth like Arkham. It's not because let's face it, even Spider-Man, which takes a lot of influence from Arkham, um, nothing feels like Arkham. No. It feels you unique. Know, yep. Nobody. I mean, I guess the closest anyone's really gotten is there's moments in the Middle Earth, the Mordor games that kind of get there, but yeah. for the most part, nothing else quite feels like playing playing Arkham. Which is another reason why I say that playing as Batman is a solved problem. Yeah. Because that's that. 
Matt, do you regret buying it at all? Or are you okay with the money you spent on the game? I do regret buying it. I would have. Okay. I would, this is a $30 game to me. Um, okay. I probably and it's, is it 60? 60. And I think it was like 80 or something. If you wanted to get like the season, if there's a scene pass or a deluxe version or it was, it was, there was a five version is 60 or 70. Do you remember? I don't like remember. The, I got the I have it on, I got it on Xbox. Okay. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was I'm pretty sure it was 70. Mm. I won't say okay. it was 70. That's I mean stiff, that was, that was a long that day. was a long time ago, Shane. It was, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it sounds like it's not a terrible game. It's like it's yeah. it's the and I I know the reviews have sort of been all over the place and there've been there've been people giving it ones and threes and fours and sevens and the it's it's mediocre. It's Better than Sounds Avengers. Like a six. <laughs> it's better than Avengers, probably. Um, oh, really? Like in terms of sort of keeping your attention through the whole thing and not devolving into like a bad MMO alike. Yeah. Like you know, this game is obviously you know not multiplayer focused, and there's no weird grind to it in that regard. There is some grind in it in terms of some of the side stuff, but like it, it definitely feels. Um, I don't know. It's probably a better game than Avengers overall, but um, in the same class, but in the same kind of yeah, same <laughs> same school like yeah, but uh, it it does feel a little better to play Nightwing. I, I don't know if I'd go so I I really don't like Red Hood. That's yeah, the sounds only. like it. <laughs> I think um, you made that, and that clear, and that might just be me. Like there, I'm sure there's people that can make Red Hood dance yeah. uh, uh, like crazy, but he is absolutely not. Because I'm more of a speed, you know, one of the things that bugged me about Arkham Origins is it takes a long time to get the item that makes it so Batman can punch fast enough to interrupt incoming attacks. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, Red Hood is like the Red Hood cannot punch fast enough to interrupt an incoming attack. And that is like my bread and butter in the Arkham game. So, yeah, yeah, I am I am almost exclusively Nightwing and Batgirl in this. Okay. well, there Um, you go, Matt. You're saying don't buy it. Wait till it gets down to about 30 bucks. Yeah, I say wait for a drop on this. I think it's. Yeah, you know, I don't. I, you know, I know I've been complaining about a lot of stuff here, but I don't mean to insult WB Montreal. I think I don't think I, you have though. I think you've brought up. So, I mean, honestly, I think your impressions of it are way more positive than I thought they were going to be. Yeah, so I, I think I think you've done a good job of bringing up stuff that they did well and stuff that they didn't do as well. Yeah, I think they did everything as well as they could. I think there was a lot of decision making at the top that was wrongheaded from the very beginning. Like, I think the on paper pitch for this game is great. But I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the execution was doomed from the first meeting. Somebody wrote something on a whiteboard. Right. Like it just feels like they came at this, like from a very top level position. That I feel like to feel like the top level people came at this from a very wrong angle. Um, okay. And this is about as good as it was going to be. But boy, would I have rather just had like another another Arkham cookie cutter cookie cutter Arkham game. Yeah. I think most Arkham Origins. Agree with that. I would have rather had Arkham, Arkham Origins too. I don't. I don't. You know. I'm. I'm sorry. I don't. And I know I'm the execution over innovation person. But like, yeah, I would have liked more of the same than what we got here. Okay. All right. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about a game that also is a little long in the tooth, considering when it was released. However, in this episode of big games that we're in the middle of right now, this has actually turned out to be the game that probably Matt and I agree on the most, maybe the mm-hmm. best game in the show, save for God of War. And that yeah, game was, is... Other than God of War, absolutely. Yeah, that game is Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope, the follow-up to the OG collaboration between Ubisoft and Nintendo. That was a pleasant surprise when it first released. Was that four years ago now, I think? 
Something yeah, like that, that was almost almost launched. That was like not too yeah. long after the Switch came out. Yep, it is a turn-based. Well, not actually. Well, I guess it is turn-based strategy. Yeah, but, but technically, it's a weird hybrid. It of, really is. Yeah. It almost defies description at this point due to the changes and the tweaks that they've mm-hmm. made to it. It is not a grid-based strategy game where each character has X number of squares it can move every turn, and it can only go to this very specific square. Each character has a zone that it can travel in that limits how far you can travel, but it's very much open world. Mm-hmm. Like the, the fights themselves, you are you can approach them from so many different angles than you could the original game. It really mm-hmm. changes you, things way more than I re- thought it was going to. Yeah, and you can even like kind of cheat that because like of the, of the jump mechanic yep. with your teammate. Like the couple times I early on when I would do that, I'm like, am I supposed to be able to do that? I'm like, is that yeah. okay? And especially because like, it took me a while to kind of realize that like, when you move your character, you can just keep moving them. Yeah. Like if I want to move a character over on this side and have Mario run over to them and do the super jump and get a little extra space over that direction, I can go back to that first character and move them all the way back to where they were because you don't get stuck until you attack. Yep. And it's kind of then You're set in stone, but yeah, until then, but otherwise you got, you got this whole area to run around and it's kind of genius. It is. It's very clever how they've designed this game. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised by it. Um, like I, didn't, story. I wasn't expecting it to be bad or anything, but no. I was like, I was really sure. Sh- they really found a way to make this game feel like its own thing. Yep. Let's uh, get the story amazing. out of the way because it's really bad and really dumb. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's, <laughs> it's not, really a no, no offense, folks, but it's Mario. The yeah, story yeah. sucks. Yeah. Basically, a big monster shows up and he's going to destroy the land and you have mm-hmm. to stop him. And that's pretty much the whole plot of the game. Uh, if yeah, you're playing this for its story or its deep writing or its uh its exposition around Nintendo's Mushroom Kingdom, you're, yeah. you've come to the wrong place. It is like I, I was actually I was very curious. I'm like, why why are you still hanging around with the rabbits? Yeah, like just they're just ask. kind of just kind of <laughs> kicking it outside. Uh, you know, it's almost like Peach can't get rid of them out of her yard. And yeah, and that is kind cool. of actually. Like, it feels like that is kind of the plot. <laughs> like it, the, the, like that's the weird thing is like. I don't feel like the Mario characters would like these rabid characters at all, especially since they're all dressed like them. Like identically. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like that would be an issue, but yeah, basically not. it's a war over these things called sparks, which in the grand scheme of the game itself, the sparks are basically buffs that you can assign to each character. Mm-hmm. One is a passive and one is an active, but the plot is all set around the controlling these sparks and the power mm-hmm. of the sparks and, which blah, are blah, just blah. with the, the little star things from Mario Galaxy with rabbit ears. Yep. It's, it's yeah. Not there's all. like, is there like nine characters from the Mushroom Kingdom? Well, actually, there's like five from the Mushroom Kingdom. And then you get the rabid counterparts Versions of, of, of everybody. Characters. And then you get like some new characters. Yep. Um, including one very funny parody of Final Fantasy characters, which uh, I, I enjoy. I enjoy Edge. Yeah. Edge is the um, new character. That came for this game, and then there's Bowser, there's Rosalina, there's Rabbit Rosalina, mm-hmm. but it doesn't go too deep into the uh, the character pool from the no, Mario. You're not, franchise. you're not gonna be playing Magic Koopa or anything. I mean, yeah. it's not Mar- it's not Mario Kart. Yeah, there's a little bit of Mario Galaxy in this, in that you yeah. each level is kind of set on a different planet. There's also a little bit of like Super Mario Sunshine in this. Mm-hmm. And that there's like Clean, goo, cleaning goo, yeah. goo that you're cleaning up there. The Nintendo influence feels even stronger 
in this than it did in the first game. And it's oh, better yeah. for it. It makes it more oh, yeah. interesting. Well, it also helps that like the rabbits don't really have their own identity yeah. in terms of like setting and trappings. They're just rabbits that scream. So yeah. you can kind of do whatever you want that way. And one of the one of the triumphs of this game, I think, is they found a way to make it feel like Mario. Yeah. When you're running around the overworld and solving things. Like I got there's a lot of Mario Odyssey vibes happening there. Yeah, each um, planet well. has its own little overworld that you can explore and you can mm. find stuff. You have to solve simple puzzles that will get you access to the different battles. The battles themselves, there's several on each planet. They're very short. They yeah. sometimes they last like a minute or two minutes. Yeah, but they're just the right good. bite size, I think. They, yeah, they're, they're exactly like what they should though. be. Yeah. It makes it a good handheld game as well. If you're someone who plays your Switch yeah. a lot on the go, one, it's a strategy game and kind of turn-based, but two, the skirmishes don't last that long. So a lot of strategy games, like the battles can take like 20 or 30 minutes. And if you go yeah. back in the middle of it, you're like, what the hell is going on? Like, that doesn't really happen in this game. It's designed no, it's very, very well. easy, very easy to find a stopping point. Absolutely. Yep. Um, as I said, every character can be equ equipped with sparks. There's two for each character. One is a passive, one is an active. Um, some of them will increase your chance of critical strikes. Um, some of them like scare foes away mm. when they're activated. They really mm. like a lot, a lot of them are elemental. Like and there's the, a lot of elemental, elemental stuff. Stuff makes a lot of difference in this game. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. you can, once you start getting good at it, you can start setting up combos where your first attack, you freeze so that the enemy can't move and then you just bombard them. So their strategy mm -hmm. and how you do, you end up like learning combos basically in this game. Yeah, my favorite is the, uh, I like to set Mario on Overwatch and then have uh, Peach Rabbit uh, uh, set the enemy on fire with yep. uh, like mortars and then when it runs out from behind cover screaming on fire mario shoots it to death yep. because it gets in his line of fire like that's it's very satisfying yep each character um, it's almost like a fighting game each character has mm -hmm. like their own specializations like some of them like like a rabid luigi can ricochet ricochet his shots bowser and peach are kind of like the heavies and you use them to blow up the cover that the enemies are hiding behind and again you can combo characters so you can use bowser or peach to blow mm -hmm. away the cover that the enemy is behind and then use another character to then initiate the attack once the cover's gone. Uh, there's just so, there's layers of strategy to this mm -hmm. game that you would never guess by looking at his candy-coated covering. Like Especially once you once you can get use more and more characters in a, a battle. And the other um, thing I would say too, Matt, is that like I never found a combination of characters in my party that didn't work. I could always no. figure out a way with the, the characters in my party to make it through each skirmish. And that's great mm -hmm. if you find characters that you really like, because no matter what you end up pairing those ones that you like with, you're still going to be able to accomplish your mission. And I, I'm just, it's one of those games you look at it. I think a lot of adults might look at this game and be like, Oh, that's like RTS for babies or whatever. That's like, that's their starter strategy. It's not like that at all. Like this, if you are a big into strategy games, it's going to cause you to flex your muscles to try to get through this game. This is not mm -hmm. a kid's game as it may appear when you first look at it. Yeah, this is, this is, I mean, with the caveat that I haven't played God of War yet, this is the best thing I've played in like two months. It's pretty shocking like, how good this game is. Yeah. Um, like, I've had a ton of fun with it. And it's also one that I first started playing when I got back and all these other games, I keep getting codes for these other games. This is the game I keep going back to to play mm -hmm. more of. So I'm right there with you. I can't even, pleasantly surprised it doesn't even do the game justice in all. And ultimately, like it's really good. 
And then there's like all this other depth as you start playing, like all the characters have these different skills that you can upgrade mm -hmm. um, using with the skill prisms and you can upgrade health and weapons and movement and your specials, basically your special ability. Um, there's just so much, much flexibility and not only in how you can build your party, but how you can build each individual character. Um, it's not an XCOM like though, in that, characters are disposable and that your characters no. are constantly going to die and you're gonna have to replace them and there's like permanent death like none of that none of those parts of XCOM have made it over into this game and I'll be honest with you I think it's better for it a lot of mm -hmm. those parts of XCOM are the parts that I find most annoying about XCOM yeah I think um, a lot of people agree that even like if you notice the Midnight Suns game yep. Frax has even admitted that they had to rework it so that like the heroes felt more reliable and the heroes didn't get killed off permanently because none of that fit what people yeah. wanted from that and i'm like yeah like you wouldn't want that in this either like i only i actually only have one complaint about this game and it's very minor it's in the first boss the the, the first like real boss encounter you go in and you do a normal kind of fight and then you have a cut scene where the boss shows up and then you fight the boss yeah that's where edge shows up yep. edge is like you're introduced and the first couple times the first time i didn't realize how to use edge really. Mm. And I kind of ended up having him sort of stand his ground and he got killed almost instantly by the boss. Mm -hmm. and, and then that meant everybody got killed. Cause you definitely need all three of your characters working yeah. together against that fight. Yeah. Um, and so when I, and I got, everybody got killed. So I was just like, do you, do you want to restart from checkpoint or do you want to restart uh, the battle? And I was like, well, I don't know where you're going to checkpoint me in the middle of this fight. If it goes back one turn, I'm already screwed. So I'm just going to restart the battle. Turns out restart the battle means go back to that first fight. Yeah. And I was so irritated by that that I turned <laughs> it off. Um, you put it down for a while. Yeah. So that's my only caveat on it. And that was like, I thought that menu could have been a little clearer. Yeah. But that's, my, that's it. My only major complaint is that there aren't enough boss fights. Like, I feel like... Mm. There's you get one fairly early in the game, and then it goes a long time until you get another mm -hmm. one. And, um, and it's, it's a shame because like that's like early on when I first ran into that, I was like, oh, because it's really clever. Because every time, usually when you hit an enemy, they get hit, and like that, you know, it is kind of turn based. Yeah. With that first boss, every time you hit him, he runs towards the person who hits him. Mm -hmm. So if you keep hitting him, he'll come towards you. Yeah, but eventually I'm like, oh, so if I just keep hitting him from different sides, he'll just run back and forth, and yeah. he'll never get to any of my characters, and that's yeah. kind of the trick there. And I'm like, that's really clever. It like, is. That's a really yeah. cool way to. I feel like the game is that. loaded with stuff yeah. like that. Like, but it doesn't. But stuff like that, boss fights like that, don't happen often enough. Yeah. Once you get past that first planet, like you're kind of expecting that to happen all the time, and like, yeah, and it doesn't. I mean, it's not and like look, it's. This boring. is being very nitpicky. Like, yeah. I'm really like trying to find something to complain about yeah. when I say there's that. not much in there, but it's it's it, it, to complain about. It's just I do wish that that surprise discovery of like, oh, this is how I deal with this happened a little more often after the first plan. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, the game looks and sounds amazing. However, if you're talking about frame rate issues. Yeah. Somehow this game has a terrible frame rate. It's so <laughs> weird. Like, yeah, the, the overworld is rough. Yeah, yeah, it's so bizarre. Like, I'm like, really? Like, I even like shut my switch down and restarted it. I'm like, this can't be right. And I went back and sure enough, nah, still it bogs down when you're out in great. the overworld. It's really yeah, weird. And then it's like, it's like, oh, run everywhere. I'm like, I'm not going to 
run anywhere because you're i don't know if this thing's gonna crash on me or not <laughs> it, it, was, it like... gets nasty in places but it does That's look a, it's good it looks great yeah. it sounds great too like they've done it again they've just done a really good job of working with the ip like you can see that nintendo has worked mm -hmm. hand in hand with ubisoft on this game and it's just it's unlike anything else like yeah. and it's I, I also do think it's weird that like the two ais are fully voiced yeah and that's yeah. it it's <laughs> yeah. like what and then other characters will sometimes say like one word right but like no and i'm like what why i mean that's kind of the mushroom kingdom though i mean most mario games I, that's kind of the way oh it yeah is. but I, I don't mind no but why are the why the is AI? the ai <laughs> are the robots voice fully and no one i mean it's like the like beat with a b vpo or whatever his name like he's like yeah I think. Yeah, he's like he's like laying out this whole like you know mid Atlantic accent speech, and then Mario's like, <laughs> and then Mario's response would be like, like oh, yeah. it's just like what? And once yeah. once again, someone wanted to listen to that for ninety fucking minutes in the movie. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no. You're not gonna buy this for the voice acting in the story. Just trust us on that one. It's it's that's <laughs> not where you're gonna buy it for. But it's also I I don't find it so offensive that older players would be turned off by it. Like. No, I feel like I the quality, the balance of the no, characters. I think it's and like, the I mean, look, I you know, I don't have any real affection for the Mario universe. Yeah, but like it, this all works together well for me. Yeah, um, yeah. This is and it's one got a lot of self awareness and best one yeah. of the best games of the year so far. Yeah, so absolutely. And I don't know that there's a whole lot coming after this to knock no, it off. I real and not, believe line. me if if you if you told me that like mario this game would review well or would be a solid game i would believe you if you told me i wasn't gonna like it as much as i did i would have said you were crazy yeah like, I, I really <laughs> I didn't i'm there i'm right there with coming. you it's great it's a great game yeah. um i highly recommend it particularly if you're a switch player who does take their switch on the go it's a great handheld game on yeah. i've been playing and, on my tv and it's awesome there but yeah, and don't you... judge it by the first one yeah. like like don't be like oh i thought the first one was okay but it did like that's like, a don't, great point yeah don't don't judge how you think you'll react to this one by how you reacted to the other one that's a great point because the first one i stalled like four or five hours yeah. in and never went back to it mm -hmm. and this one i have blown past that number i have mm -hmm. and i continue to play it so that's i mean it's uh, as far as like game one to game two it's one of the biggest leaps yeah. that i can remember oh for sure it's like because like the first one i mean the first one's good like it's like you know like the, the puzzle of figuring out the battles is cool mm -hmm. and fun in this one, every turn is fun. Yeah. Like there's something cool or neat or interesting to do every time it comes back to you. Yeah, we didn't even talk about like some of the new stuff. Like there's the dash thing that you can mm -hmm. do where you can line up enemies and you can dash through them and take them all out in one in like one quick like mm -hmm. sprint. Um, Matt actually mentioned it earlier, but it's a big part of the game. Like you basically get on a character and then you can jump off of them and it can help yeah, you, you reach a, like a areas jump. off of the map. And as you play the game you start to realize you can use that strategically in combat a lot more mm -hmm. than you thought you could when you first are introduced yeah. to it so like a lot of those like you know strategy games like this you have things like oh if i could get a little further they'd be in range or i'd have the angle on them with a better percentage or whatever yeah and then you realize like oh i can just walk peach over here to the edge of her zone and jump off her with mario and that'll get me across this thing and behind that cover over there and now i can just unload on them in a flanking the maneuver yeah and it's, it's just like yeah. And it feels like cheating. Like it, it feels does. like yeah. it, it's and it's great. <laughs> I kept discovering stuff like that as I play. I'm still discovering stuff like that. Like finding mm -hmm. new ways to work with very simple mechanics. It's just it's great. It's like a Nintendo game made by Ubisoft. Yeah.
It really is. So that's two massive thumbs up from both of us. Maybe maybe we need a Mario Assassin's Creed. Maybe <laughs> that's, the, that's the trick here. I wouldn't go that far. But uh, <laughs> as far as turn-based strategy games, I think that they have found a, a great union that works great both directions. As far as just the content and having an affinity for the characters that are involved in it, maybe not so much with the rabbits, um, but then marrying that with what you may perceive at first to be a very tried and true turn-based strategy mechanic, which ends up being anything but. So Mario plus Rabbit sparks a hope. That's two thumbs up from both Matt and I on Game Face. Next up, another game that's been out for a little bit that we didn't have a chance to discuss because I have been on the verge of death and on vacation for the last hmm. three weeks is A Plague Tale Requiem. Now, Matt and I have discussed the original Plague Tale Innocence many times on Game Face, how it was kind of this hidden gem that really didn't get the attention that it deserved and probably deserved to sell better than it did and probably deserved more attention as far as just the otaku talking about it. It just kind of came and went without a whole lot of waves. So here comes the sequel. They've had plenty of time to work on it. They had a great foundation for the original game. And then Matt, somehow... I don't think that this sequel is better than the original one. Unlike it is, Mario it is plus not. rabbits. No, it is not. And like, it's, it took me a while to realize it. Like it, it early it, on, it makes a good first impression. It's beautiful. First of all, it's oh, beautiful. gorgeous. Absolutely. The water, the, the water, water in this the, game, the foliage, like the pan yeah. down through the trees. It's just like, I mean, cause I just, I played the first one, replayed it in September in preparation for this to kind of remember and sort of, you know, cause I want to be like, ah, we, cause I guess, like you say, we praise it. I'm like, I want to make sure that that was true. You know, like I want to yeah. go back and see if I still think that about, it. I do, it's still good. Like there's mm -hmm. some annoying parts, but like, yeah, for the most part, it's a really interesting game and the story is refreshingly good. Um, and, and has some, a lot of original ideas and everything's pretty believable and it kind of builds the character relationships. Well, it's good. Um, and then you start playing this one and it's like, oh, night and day in terms of the visual, like the visuals well, are so next gen and, only uh, for one. Oh, yeah. And that makes a big, big difference. The water in this mm -hmm. game looks incredible. Yeah. It's the best water I've ever seen in a video game. It yeah. looks so realistic. And the first, the beginning of the game, the first like hour basically is basically a just big walk and talk where you just yeah. walk through these gorgeous environments and these lively mm -hmm. like villages and it's just yeah, and like this market fair which is just them showing off the yeah, whole time it's it is like, it works like yeah. i was like hot damn this game looks awesome and then it just never takes off no it's the, the stealth is almost identical to the original games and it doesn't really progress and you know that i don't care about innovation so much but like the stealth the original game wasn't amazing it was more just good enough to get you through it yeah and this is the and the other so the other thing and this is me being the nitpicky narrative guy. I don't think the story motivations work in this at all. I don't either. Like it feels like all the stuff that mattered already happened, and you're yeah. just like, it, "This is but just the aftermath." But also, like it, the, you know, because you're still playing as, as uh, Amicia, the mm -hmm. the older sister, yeah. and you, you do play as Hugo a little bit, the, yeah. the younger brother. Um, but like, and I do find it amusing that like, so Lucas, the alchemist kid, is is in is in this again uh and he, he shows because because the end of the first game you basically take off in a in a cart to get away from where you you know after you've beaten the 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 head of the inquisition and everything you drive off in a cart and your mother's sort of recovering from from the, the final battle and lucas is there and you're there and amicia is there with hugo and so you're kind of like driving off into a new a new life and yeah. so this picks up 
on that same journey, like probably like a week or so later. Mm-hmm. And Lucas comes in as you're doing the first uh, kind of walk and talk section. And Lucas in the first game has like kind of a, he's, you know, he's a preteen kid. He's like a squeaky little voice. And the new Lucas is the same, same voice actor, but he comes in. It's like, I must become an alchemist and go <laughs> get a job with time. drill. Yeah. Like play puberty hit this kid hard on that cart ride. Yeah. Like it was. Well, the other um, thing, Matt, that I forgot about the first game, because I play, I didn't finish it, but I played a, a lot of it. I forgot that it was just a stealth game and that's pretty yeah. much all it is. And this game is a stealth game and that's yeah. pretty much all it is. And I just don't think games like that fly anymore. Like I just, mm-hmm. I, I can, it, it would have to take something incredibly revolutionary for me to play just a pure stealth game in 2022. I think it could is the, is the shame here. And like, Oh, also the, the part of the narrative problem is like, you know, Hugo, her younger brother basically has the, the ability to control the plague rats. Like mm-hmm. he's has, connected to these things. He, he has abilities that let you direct them and take control of them. Uh, they are impressive in this. Like the, you yeah. know, the first the first game, I think, could do 5,000 rats on screen. This one does 300,000. It's pretty amazing. It's yeah. there's well, it's a lot happening. Only, so. Yeah, absolutely. You can tell it next gen only like comes through it almost every scene. Yeah. Um, but like, so there's a kind of a thing that you know, people are trying to take his blood and people are trying to, you know, the Inquisition wants to experiment on and all this, it's all this weird shit. And yep. she doesn't really, you know, you don't really know what's going on. Like no one, you know, Amicia has been kept in the dark about all this with because her mother was an alchemist trying to solve the, which was, it seemed like a sickness, but it turned out that he just was kind of, you know, going through like X-Men puberty, but he's a, yeah. you know, he's rat boy basically. Yeah. And in this one, you get to this doctor early on who's supposed to like her, you know, who the, the mother knows and is like, he'll help us and da, da, da. And he was like, we want to, you know, we want to sequester him and observe him and da da da. And Amicia like freaks out and like runs away with him, so he's not used as an experiment. I'm like, no, that's that's absolutely what you should do with him. Yeah, like like, what, him. like you just you <laughs> saw what just happened in the yeah. last two. Like you think you're gonna run out? You're, you're all wanted, yeah. but you know, on pain of death, like through the rest of the countryside. What are you doing? Like, like yeah. Amicia was always just in the first game with someone who was doing her best with the situation she was thrown into. And in this one, she creates the stupid situation by being a moron. Well, this whole, the whole game like is that. about running away. Yeah. They're trying to find this mythical island. They kind of hint that, hey, maybe once right. we get there, we can find a cure. But really, the people who can probably help them, they're running away like from. That. Right. And you're, <laughs> you're literally trying to find something he saw in a dream. It, right. It's stupid. It's like, okay, it's you had a dream. Stupid. Let's just venture halfway around the world like, and it would be one thing if like this dumb you know this yeah. not great story motivation was there to prop up like a really interesting evolution of of what the first game did but it's not it's all the same like she can hit a guy with with her her sling shot to get away as opposed yeah. to just instantly dying in the first game but Although there's still a couple lots new... of times you just instantly oh yeah you're just like, like... like i give up like just let's just start <laughs> over let's try it again i do appreciate that the in this game that in the first one as well that like there isn't because you know stealth games frustrate me and every once in a while you hit a thing where it's like if you're fast enough and good enough with the sling aiming you can just kill everybody dude the sling works from like, like 300 yards yeah. away like if you <laughs> it's like the enemy is a pixel on the screen and i can just clock yeah. him right in the she's head she's very the good i was but i was hoping that like she would develop a little more like martial skill in right the, you know, and even early on like you in the market scene like he the the hugo points out like a sword it's like oh a sword i bet you'd be good with it. you should get a sword and she's like Swords are for death. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, so instead, I'm, I'm like, I just finished the first the game. Sling. I killed 400 people with yeah. your sling. 
What do you and use? And then if you do the... get caught in the close up, co- up close combat, like you do the one attack with the sling that kind of knocks them down, and then you have to strangle them with the strangle sling. them to death. With the... I mean, and it what takes you using... like ten minutes to strangle. Yeah, what, con- what constructive methods are you using your sling for that isn't yeah. a weapon of death? Like it's dumb. Like yeah. there, there was, there was an evolution. Like I would be, it'd be cool to see her sort of becoming more of a warrior, right? As he became more of the alchemist thing, and yeah. like, and maybe that happens later in the game. But I feel like I'm never going to find out because I honestly dropped this game pretty fast. Well, then, like you finish like a it. section and you get closed off and you can't go back. So yeah. if you've missed something like, all the time, the doors are always locked behind you. Like they do do some cool stuff with like fire and the grass. Like that's pretty mm-hmm. cool, but. Otherwise, it's just this very rote stealth game with janky yeah, combat and a story that just didn't wrap it. Wrap yeah, me there's up. nothing. Like, there's nothing pulling me through it once I got used to the visuals. Me either. It was beautiful. It is beautiful, but everything else about it was just meh. Like mm-hmm. it just never hooked me. Like these, this studio is very talented, man. Absolutely, a Sobo studio. Like they have a bright future, but they need to ditch this IP as quick as it can like yeah, i am clearly clearly this was a one trick pony yes here. like, like it kind of worked here. the first game because it caught us off guard yeah. and it had the whole rat mechanic but it's not something that like the studio has shown the ability to expand upon and make more compelling so no at the I very least really disappointed by this game but one of the the big flaw here to me is that they it seems like they were almost afraid to reinvent it too much yeah um i think i think the sequel to the, the you know the first game's still good i still enjoyed yeah. playing the first one um but the sequel needed to reinvent this like you know I, i'm saying the opposite of god of war i'm saying like it needed to do the god of war thing it needed yeah. to shock us with how different it was yeah and how many new ideas there were and how how much these characters evolved both narratively and gameplay wise and it doesn't do either of those things yeah and you can get away with doing only one of them but you got to do one of them and it doesn't do either of them yeah and it's there's really one way to play it like you the care yeah. like there is like a skill tree but it's not big enough that you can really shape like the way you play the game to be other than no. stealth 24 7 so no and there's and that is true of the first game as well but the first game feels like it has more controlled designed areas for you to sneak yeah. through and this, this one has much wider open stuff but Which it gives still you feel- an ability to alter how you go through it but also yeah. it gives you way more ways to screw it up right and it, it still <laughs> but it still feels like there's a right way to do it yep I know? And, it, and it doesn't feel so much like improvising until i get through the area it feels like i'm trying to figure out what the developer wants me to do yeah this and is one of those games where you're fun. constantly throwing stuff to try to divert the enemies and mm-hmm. like ultimately you need to throw the rock or whatever exactly to this one spot because otherwise they detect you and if they detect you it's just game over it I was really disappointed in this game, Matt. I really yeah. thought it could be, you know, something that we'd be talking about at the end of the year. It, but it's not. It just isn't. Um, so it's, it's probably up. It's probably a candidate for graphics, but that's yep. about it. Yeah, I am excited to see what a Sobo Studio will yeah. do next, because or, or who buys them, right? Because they have a lot of talent, and you're right, Matt. Like that's a studio that one of the big three should be looking at for a purchase. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If I, if I were Sony, I'd be looking real hard yep. at him because that because this is basically the rats of us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like if That's with some with it. some with some more guidance and some collaboration, like they could be turning out Last of Us style stuff. Yep. Sony. So it's disappointing because it the studio shows so much promise. But oh, absolutely. And I don't think this indicates that they don't still have that promise. I think yeah. you know they it's there. They, they had they can something do it. that kind of worked. They thought they might be able to expand on it. They weren't able mm-hmm. to move on to something better. 
Yeah, I totally understand why you would think that. You know, it, yeah. it felt like you should be able to expand. Yeah. And I feel like they just feel like they just didn't go far enough. Maybe they didn't think it would feel like Plague Tale if they reinvented it too hard. But I, they should have. They should have. The the difference between the first one and this one should be like God of War three versus God of War twenty eighteen. Agreed. Like it, it should be a complete change in how these characters work and how this world works and what you learn about how all this works and and all that. And they're trying, you know, they're they're trying to move that forward, but it just doesn't feel like enough of a move. Yeah, I agree. So there you go. That's a Plague Tale Requiem. That's two thumbs down from yeah. Game Face. And it's a shame. I really thought I was really looking forward to this one. This is one of my my end of year uh, uh, anticipated ones. I made a point to reach out and get review code of this from the publisher uh, way ahead of, in advance. I was like, I want to play this game. And now I'm waiting for the inevitable email from them where they ask me what I think. And I have mm-hmm. to be honest with them and tell them the truth. So part of the but job. You, I, I don't think you're the only one. Yeah. So. Yep. Okay, let's move on. Our last topic for episode 319 is a game that I think in a normal world, we probably wouldn't cover it on Game Face or we just mention it like in the open or the close or mm. something. But this it game... Pop- it, it popped up so often in like the Microsoft like like showcases and E3. I feel like you got to talk about it because yeah. they kept talking about it. It was know? a showcase game for Xbox yeah. series consoles and it was an Xbox series exclusive and they pushed it hard at all their events. And that game is scorn. Mm-hmm. And it is like an HR Geiger first person puzzle adventure, I guess is the way I could put it in a sentence. Mm-hmm. And it is just dreadfully boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a bad game. <laughs> Even by the standards of like kind of the puzzle solving walking simulator shit. Yeah. This game is dumb. Yeah, there's there's some moments where it makes you do things that you don't necessarily want to do. And there's some power in that. And it was released around Halloween. So I think people want that kind of experience around that time of year. So I think the the, the release window was smart, but Mostly, it's just a big slog of trial and error with very few clues. Like, I, playing this game, Matt, I struggled so hard to not go on the internet and just look for the answers to stuff. Because Mm -hmm. even when I would find things or figure things out on my own, when I did, I didn't feel good about it. It didn't feel rewarding. I was just like, I just tried everything and then finally figured it out. Like, sometimes... You would even get to some place where you think you figured something out and you couldn't. Like one of the very first puzzles is this wall with like these egg like things on it. And you need it's a slide puzzle. So you need to slide like these eggs through this grid to get these very specific eggs to this point where this machine would grab it and crush it and blah, blah, blah. The first time like I found the puzzle Like I got there and I was like, oh, I can move these things, but I can only move this one, like one space. That's not it. So I turned around and went away and ran (laughs) around for like another 30 or 40 minutes before finally I was like, that has to be it. So I went back to it and fiddled with it again. I'm like, oh, I actually can move some of these things a little more. And then it became the trial and error, figuring out how to actually solve the puzzle. And to me, the whole game was that way. Like the Mm -hmm. next puzzle where you got to like, so you get the creature out of the egg and then figuring out what to actually do with that creature. It's like there were just there are not there. There aren't enough clues to make playing the game rewarding. To me, it was just extremely well, it's also, frustrating. Well, it's also weird because that is the only puzzle I found in the game where there are two solutions. 
because uh, you can there are two different things you can do with the creature. Oh, really? Depending on where you you shift the track, oh. you can take them. It can go into one room where you like basically extract the thing, and like and he after lit. That, I mean, I distracted yeah. him in mine, and he and he follows you around and does yeah. you know, and you stick his arm in the thing yeah. and open the door. There's another room where it basically just grinds him up. Oh. and crushes him and you just take his severed arm and stick oh. it in the thing and do it that way which actually would have made it easier it's yeah. all the and there are all. and there are there are two separate achievements for that oh. and that is the only instance of that in the entire game <laughs> and like why would you start with that yeah like i don't get it it's um it's eventually very... there's combat and it is like the clunkiest oh, most awkward awful combat like I... you get the, you get this gun sort of thing and i'm like oh i guess I'm... and it's like it's like a piston dildo gun <laughs> that like has a range of about four feet yeah and you're and like the first time you run into a real actual lethal enemy like i'm like am i not supposed to fight this and right like, it's... because you've been trained to like not yeah. kill the creatures to that and point the, like and the life system is incredibly weird and you don't regenerate health but sometimes you do and sometimes like i and you have to reload the gun but only at certain locations and then sometimes it'll respawn the, the ammo so you don't need to reload it's it's, it's a disaster horribly Matt, done. it is a prime candidate for the duh consulting company. Like yeah. again, they could have sent us a build of this and overnight we could have made the game yeah. exponentially better than it is. Like And I'm going to also like as a, as a fan of of uh Giger and some I mean this is mostly Giger and um uh Beksinski, Yeah. A, a Polish uh, artist. But my problem and I like I you know, I that was one of the reasons I was interested in it. Like I, I, I like I like that look of it. The problem I have with this is um, not, and not to not to turn into Randy Pan the Goat Boy here, but one of the one of the horror things of Giger is how psychosexual it is. Uh-huh. Like it's there is a sexual component to yep. his art that makes it very unsettling, and yep. that has been stripped out here. Yeah, it's and they're all are, disturbing. Like everything. Like is you are sometimes, yeah, you are sometimes putting longer things into holes. Yeah, but like there's no, you know, there there's no like like horror to it it's just sort of gross like they, they, everything's gory and gross but there's no verb the sound there. effects like, are pretty much all just raw meat with different yeah. instruments like rubbing up against the raw pretty meat much. like it's just... and it's just there's and there's nothing to do like you know and you're running around and you're like what's going what's going on i guess it doesn't matter like it, yeah it's... what's i mean the story is you're just trying to escape is that all it is you yeah. fall down a hole and then you're trying to get out of the hole like <laughs> i it's, just it's no it's no what remains of Edith Finch. I'll it just has no spark to it at all. No, it doesn't. And it's just a chore to play. It is I am shocked that Microsoft allowed this game to become a poster child for its new console. Like well, what you'll notice they thinking? did well, you'll notice they did kind of shut up about it for the last yes. few months. It just it, quietly hit Game Pass and no one's mentioned it since, really. Yeah. And for good reason. Yeah. <laughs> Do not buy this game. If you don't no, have Game like, Pass. And you have you're a PC player. Uh, honestly, even if you do, like yeah. you, got, you got better things to do right yeah. now. I, I'm We've sure. We talked about a couple of them in this show already. Yeah. So, yeah. man, I was that's another game I was really disappointed in. I was excited yeah. for. Him. Again, I really enjoy his art. Um, but it, mm-hmm. you're right; it lost a lot of the elements that make that art so special and so intriguing. Um, mm-hmm. This just became a process of elimination grind to me. Yeah. It. It. it it feels like someone who just like feels like my first the, the art in this feels like my first reaction to HR where it's like oh cool it's so gross yeah you know? and it just never goes beyond that it just ends up being monotone um, 
Everything yeah. looks the same. Like it's just yeah, yeah, I can't tell where anything is. Nope. Um, it's and none of it's satisfying. Can't tell what I can interact like, with, what I can't interact and with. And then there's, like, a, there's moments when even when you figure things out, early on there's a puzzle where like you have to like, you know, put a thing in the giant tower and it opens up a door. And I'm like, I couldn't figure out what else to do. And finally, I figured out that like, oh, you want me to do that two more times? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just it's like oh, like and just wandering. I'm like, oh my yeah. god, like, it's just the rep- repetition. Yeah. Like once you figure out a puzzle, half the time you got to do it twice more, and yep. then that just becomes like. Okay, now I just got to find where you want me to go to get the other thing that does the same exact thing. And where am I? What am I getting out of this? Like, yeah. it's 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 not it's you know it's bad walking sim puzzle design surrounded by a fairly unique four games art style that I don't think even does justice to the two artists it's mostly cribbing from. Yep, I so, agree. Total pass. Yeah. Total forget it. Don't even think about it again. Dust in the wind. Let's look forward, not yeah. backwards. Well, well, t- cool. well titled. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's a good point. Uh, okay, well, that's going to do it for Game Phase 319, except we asked you guys for some questions for the Q&A at the end of the show, and you guys obliged. In fact, you kind of provided a delude, a delusion, that's not the right word, of um, questions Deluge. for us. Deluge, that's what I was looking for. Um, of questions for us, and we're going to get to them right now, as soon as I log in here anyway. Um, okay, let's get to them. The first question, um, actually, I'll ask a, answer a question about Greece from Zet Saber. Any interesting cultural behaviors you notice while in Greece? Cultural behaviors, um, other than the people... These huge who... guys kept going around going, boy. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, like, while I was in Greece, I kept thinking about, you know, I'm about to play God of War Ragnarok. Like, a lot of the stuff that I'm learning about, and I learned a lot. And I again, a, that's why I would flash say... flash flood warning. And again, I would say, pay for a guide, because you will learn so much in a day that it's almost like overload. But the cultural thing that I noticed about Greece is how amazing all the people there are. They are just incredible. They're all nice. They all speak amazing English, not just speak English, speak amazing English. They all learn English from like day one at school and like going there. I had no problems communicating. I thought I was gonna have to use like a translation thing on my phone to talk to people. Everybody there speaks English and everybody there is just awesome. Everywhere you go, every restaurant, every store, people are always. Here's one thing I loved about Greece. People are always asking me about me. People there were not self-centered. They were always asking us, like, where are you from? And then they found out we're from the U.S. And then they found out we're from L.A. And they would just ask us just a million questions. Like, mm. we hardly got to ask them about themselves. Like, just the culturally, uh, cultural behaviors, just amazing people. Everywhere we went, Athens, Mykonos, Santorini, Crete, it did not matter. Everywhere we went, the people were amazing. So that is what I took away from Greece. The people were incredible. Um, here's one from Pain of Demise. Have either of you checked out or played Harvestella? If so, what are your thoughts on it? I have not. Um, usually I get review code from Square Enix, mm-hmm. but I didn't get it for Harvestella for some reason. Matt, have you checked it out? No. Um, the reviews weren't really strong enough for me to spend time on it, I didn't think. It's a it's an it's a JRPG farming sim hybrid. Yeah. And usually with stuff like that, like the RPG side of it ends up just being trash. But it looks like in this one, the RPG side is actually maybe better than yeah, the it looks like. A, it, it, I don't know. It, it gave me weird stranger, stranger of paradise vibes. And so I'm just decided to hold off and yeah, 
wait around. I don't know if you want if you want to talk about it on the show, I'll play it. But I, otherwise, <laughs> I, I feel feel like I played enough weird square B listers this year. We still have enough great games for our episode on Friday. Like we're going to have four gigantic games in that show as well, along with a couple other topics. So uh, we're not really begging for games right now, which kind of leads me to the next question from Joaquin Dragoon, which is, have you guys played Star Ocean Divine Force? What do you think of the series as a whole? Um, I played the demo and I did get review code of that sent to me. But unfortunately, right now, that is way down the totem pole for me. So I have not mm. had a chance to play it beyond the demo, although I was pretty hard on the demo when we talked about it on Game Face. I thought it was it felt old and dated. I did play the demo and uh, the demo did nothing to convince me to buy the game. Yeah. So So uh, I will give it a go because we're going to get to the end of November here, early December, and we're going to need games to talk about. So I will eventually play it, but just not yet. Um, Here's one from Derek D111. Maybe you will touch on this anyway, but any thoughts on the tone deaf statements that producer Naoki Yoshida made about the lack of racial diversity in Final Fantasy 16. I actually did not see this quote, Matt. Did you see what the um, quote was? Yeah, I did. It was basically like someone asked about how diverse the population will be in that game, and he gave some weird thing about how, like, we don't... We're not Basically, it was like, we're not going to... Very roughly, it was like, we're basically not going to do that because we want to be historically accurate. Uh, to, the, to the medieval what? Europe we're like we're trying to replicate okay and it's like bro okay first off <laughs> medieval Europe was very very diverse like the people wandered in and out all over the place it was yeah. everywhere also like and you know and he got I think he was also kind of talking about Final Fantasy 14 and the Final Fantasy 14 is a diversity problem too it's very very white uh yeah. or or at least whatever race you want to call whatever it but is it's like, yeah I'm like you, yeah I, I totally remember when like when I flew on a rocket ship powered by the spirit of Kaiju to the moon to fight a dragon robot, I thought, oh, if there have been black people here, that would have really broken my realism on this one. What are you fucking talking about? Yeah, it's that's pathetic. But I will say this too, Matt, like when. When people of color or minorities talk about racial diversity, I tend to just kind of sit back and be like, OK, like I'm white, like I mm-hmm don't feel like I'm qualified to even speak on stuff like that. So I tend no. to try to stay out of discussions like that. But no, I, I mean, I, the only thing I will get involved on that is to say that, like, I don't care if you put non-white people in a game. It does not bother me. It does not break my immersion. It does not change anything. Agreed. And yeah. it sh- they should be in there and everybody should be able to see people that they recognize as themselves in these games. And also I can, you know, Everyone's like, well, why don't you just see themselves in white people? They do. They've had to for all of media eternity. Yeah. And you know what? them to. Yeah. Time for white people to start seeing themselves and people of color in yeah. media. How about that? Yep, I agree. Um, Lucky Wallace. I sure as hell can. I love Mace Windu. Yeah. That's, that's my favorite Jedi. Yeah. Um, from Lucky Wallace, what do you think Sonic Team should do for their next game? Try and build on the foundations of Frontiers or go back to an older style of Sonic game? Or once again, try something totally different. Now, I have not really played much of Sonic Frontiers. I have it and it's installed on my PS5 sitting right here, but I've been playing God of War and haven't had a lot of time to play Sonic yet. Matt has played a little bit, so I'm going to let you answer, Matt. I don't know. I mean, I only played a couple hours to get kind of a flavor of it. Um, my answer to you is I don't care. Yeah. Like, Sonic is a non issue in my life. Like, it's shocking to me that they still make these to any capacity. Um, Sonic Frontiers does clearly have a lot of effort put into it to try to turn it into 
something that could be used going forward. Um, and maybe it will, like, I don't know, but it seems very ambitious and very big. And the way Sega kind of rolls with this series, it, they feel like they kind of, they go all in and then they pull way back and they go all in and they can pull way back. You know, like it's, it's like they panic and then they try to reinvent it. Um, and I don't know how this thing's going to sell, but it, 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 I assume that the next one will be another sort of like by the numbers Sonic reinvention. And then maybe they'll go back to the Frontiers format. Uh, my my real answer is I don't think it matters. Okay. It, it sell, they sell what they sell. There's that one core fan base of Sonic that I find extraordinarily weird for the most part. And I don't understand why this particular property attracts such strange fandom mm-hmm. um even by the standards of fandom um but I, maybe it's partly because of like kind of the permutations the lore has gone through but like i also can't imagine a grown person caring about the lore of sonic um if you if it, also if you like uh, a nice little primer on uh, the weirdness of sonic if you're sitting there wondering what the hell i'm talking about uh go to youtube when this is when we're all done here go to youtube and look up comic drake ken penders and watch that watch the video about the epic saga of Ken Penders, the artist and writer of the Archie comics for Sonic for many years. I promise you do not know where it's going. Okay. <laughs> that's um, that's what I think about every time I see a new Sonic thing, is like, God, this shit's weird. <laughs> um, here's one from Justin. Is there a game, movie, or TV show that you recognize is just trash, but you don't care? You love it. Um, I will share a very recent TV show that a lot of people have trashed. And I'll be honest with you, I struggled to get through the first couple episodes, but then ultimately got over it and watched the rest of it. And that is Dahmer on Netflix. The first Hmm. couple episodes of that are very hard to watch. They are just brutal and evil and creepy. And then if you get past those first couple episodes, it kind of settles in a little bit. And it's not really the story anymore of what he did. It's the story of how he became who he was. Um, and I thought it was just excellent. The actor who plays Dahmer in that, like, it's kind of scary, like how accurate he oh, plays. It's Evan, Evan Peters. He's good, man. Like, he Qu- just Qu- nailed yeah. it. It's Quicksilver. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was a really good show. I can understand why some people think it's trash and think it's, you know, exploiting yeah, well, the, the victims and stuff. Netflix's biggest thing in forever. So they're they're already said they're making two more seasons of Dahmer. Wouldn't be Dahmer, but they're yeah. going to do other serial killers. Oh, okay, got you. Um, but I thought it was really well done, really well acted across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe, but, it, but you're right, it is it is trash. You're right, yeah, it's, it's trash. Yep. What I mean, we you, already Matt? I already talked about Equilibrium earlier. Yeah. Um, yep. I guess the only other thing I'd say in in um, I mean, I'm a Transformers fan. Like 99 percent of Transformers media is trash, but I still enjoy it. I'll never defend it, but yeah, there's, there's plenty of room for trash. Here's a show that everyone's watching that is absolutely terrible. The Watcher. <laughs> it is. I had downloaded no, I a few episodes that. of that to watch on the flight home while I was getting COVID, <laughs> unbeknownst to me. And um, it is just terrible. Why are you people watching that show? Mm. It is so abysmal. What, so what you're saying is The Watcher gave you COVID. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. We'll take one more uh, from Stefan Swanland on Twitter. Uh, where do you place Andor in the Star Wars echelon of live action media? The Empire Strikes Back is still my favorite, followed by Andor. It's close. Andor's way up there. It's pretty damn good. Andor's phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, we'll see how Andor, how Andor sticks the landing. 
But yeah, I mean, my favorite Star Wars movie is The Last Jedi. Uh, come at me. Uh, number two would be Empire, and I think Andor's Andor's on the way to that number three slot. It's in that discussion. Like it's really good. It's, yeah, and also Andor is Andor is absolutely what I was hoping for when they announced originally they were going to do the episode movies, and then in between they were going to do the standalone stories. Yeah, like tell. Stories in the Star Wars universe that are unconnected to all the normal Skywalker saga stuff and just kind of give you pictures of what was happening elsewhere, what it was like to live in the galaxy, how horrible the Empire. I love that they're leaning so hard into how horrible the Empire is because yep. apparently some people need to be told that. Yeah. <laughs> did, if we did didn't not know. know that, that was a thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, yeah, it really, really, I mean, that the most recent episode in the prison. Like that is one of the greatest final lines of any Star Wars thing ever. Like yeah. the transition of that, the character work, how good Diego Luna is just acting with his face and telling you what Andor thinks at any given moment is phenomenal. It's also good proof to me that Rogue One, um, which I like okay, Rogue One should have been about Cassian Andor. Yeah. Like Cassian should have been the main character of that movie. You did not need Jyn so I appreciate that they wanted a female lead. Um, but she she isn't a character until two thirds of the way through the movie. That movie should have been about him. I agree. Yeah. Um, and now at least we get Andor where it is about him. We're gonna get another season of it. We're gonna, you know, it's great, awesome. It's really, really, really well done. good. The episodic thing where they basically are telling sort of like three arc, three episode arc stories is working really well. Um, there hasn't been a single force push or lightsaber in the whole thing, and it's still Star Wars, and it's still, still awesome. Yeah. Um, they're doing a really, really great job. And how amazing is it that this is show run by the guy who wrote Armageddon? I know. <laughs> Tony, Tony Gilroy, you have blown me out the back of my own brain. It does go to show you, though, that you should never count people out because you just no, never no. know. You give, give someone the right idea, the right tools, the right opportunity, and they will knock it out of the park. And he is knocking this out of the park. It's great. In a yep. way that I, you know, I've liked almost all the Star Wars Disney Plus stuff to some degree or another. Boba Fett was a little bit of a letdown. Yeah, I was disappointed in Boba Fett, honestly. Yeah. Like uh, when it wasn't Mandalorian season three, it was pretty, yep. pretty hard to get through. Agreed. Um, yeah. But uh, man, this is just wow. Like I was most excited for Ahsoka uh, coming next year because she's a character I love a lot and it's being done by Dave Filoni who created her and you know I'm bubble and it's probably going to bring back Thrawn in live action which is amazing you might see some Rebels characters come back I'm very excited about that and Andor was I was in, I was interested in but Ahsoka and now I'm just like how in the world is Ahsoka going to match this like it's it's going to be hard to go back to Mandalorian style Star Wars after Andor. I think. I think I'll still like Mandalorian though. I'll still like it, but like Andor is Andor is not. It's not. It's not. Like it's setting a higher bar. It's setting the bar in a different place. Yeah, I it's agree over with that. here. It's it's a doing a completely different thing, and it's proving that you can do Star Wars a different way. Yeah, it doesn't have to just be like fanciful space opera. Space opera. Like yeah, this this is political drama. Yeah, it really. Is. Yep, it like, really is. It's character-driven political drama, a and different angle. it's working. Yeah, because because that dark time where the Empire was in full fascist control of the of the galaxy. I mean, there are parallels is, to is, what's going on right now, Matt. Absolutely. Oh yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. I think that's that, why that storm for a lot of people. The short the short trooper who arrests him on the tourist planet is just basically quoting body cam footage. Yeah. Of like modern American police. It is like. Yep. You you hear echoes through all that, and Star Wars has always been that. Yep, always. always People been. will deny it, but it always has been. Yeah. 
Yep. I mean, so I remember an argument I had. I had a, it was like last year or something, but I was talking about how the Empire are Nazis. You know, they're based on the Nazi. You know, that's one of the pattern things. And then there, people are like, "What are you talking about? They're not Nazis." I'm like, "The have you seen the your officer nose. uniforms?" Like, <laughs> and I ended up having to dig up an interview with the costume designers of the original film from 1979, where they specifically say that Lucas told them to pattern the officers' uniforms after Nazi officers to prove to this person that yes, do. that was an influence from like all the way. You didn't get it because you were seven. Yeah, like that. It's so weird yeah. that like. People, you know, it's, so you I mean, can it's, watch it again, but I feel like people still watch it with the the frame of yeah. mind of being seven. Yeah, they don't get it, and like, but also like, Andor leans into that in a in a fun way and a really smart way, where like, it's but it pulls it back right because like it's so easy to root for that imperial security lady mm-hmm. whose name I can't remember right yeah, now. Yeah, I know you're talking but, about. But you want her to succeed at what she's doing, even though what she's doing is trying to hunt down the protagonist of the show and kill him. Yeah. Um. But like. You want her to, to succeed against all these like stodgy old white men and all yeah. these you know, all the all, all the barriers in her way. And then yeah. there's moments where you see that, and then like the, the the show will instantly punch you in the stomach and be like, "Oh, by the way, you've been rooting for a fascist yeah. this whole time. She's horrible. She's yeah. a monster. She, they're it. all monsters. It's a and really it's good so show. So good. Yeah. It's so well done. I love it. Yep. So that's two thumbs up for Andor from us. Absolutely. I, I, I don't think you're surprised to hear that. No, though. I wish I had more thumbs, frankly, to, yep. to give it. It's really well done. Yep. So there you go. That's Game Phase 319. It's good to be back, but I will admit that I'm a little tired. Um, the three hours that we just spent recording and talking, like mm-hmm. I haven't talked like this in a long time. And like, I can tell I still have COVID a little bit after doing yeah, this show. I uh, but I do think after a few days of rest, I'll be able to come back on Friday <laughs> and record another episode for you guys. You recharge. Uh, so- we're going to talk again. Yeah. So look for that. Um, the show will probably not go live for you guys until Saturday. Uh, but Matt and I will likely record it on Friday. And obviously we'll have Sonic Frontiers. We'll have in-depth on God of War. I'll deliver my impressions of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. It's going to be another really big episode, so look forward to it. So I want to say before we go from this episode, thank you guys. Um, When I came back after being away for a while and getting COVID, I was like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do? Like, I felt like death and I'm like, I can't work. So what am I going to do? Like we did lose a lot of patrons uh, to turn over from November, but a lot of you guys did stick beside us. And I appreciate the people that stood beside us while this happened more than I dislike the people who bailed. So (laughs) I just want to say thank you guys very much for being patient. We're back now. We're going to keep cranking out the content from here on until the end of the year. Thank you very much. Game face is up and out.